up, everybody? Welcome into episode number 11 of the Mac Geeks podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Hughley, and we are in for a good one today. Um, if those of you out there have been following my channel, we've been talking all about ACC wrestling. Uh, we, we've been covering, you know, lineup previews. We've been talking to coaches. We've been, we've been covering some of these pro matches that have come up with ACC guys in it. And I'm going to continue that trend. Obviously, I'm the ACC guy. Um, but we're going to continue with different topics and, and different topics that I think you guys would enjoy. Uh, and I've been, this is a topic that I've loved and I've done for a long time, but um, it, it's kind of relatively new on the scene for wrestling. And so if there's people out there that like to play fantasy sports, right? So fantasy football, fantasy baseball, basketball, all that kind of stuff. You probably, if you've been doing it, you've probably been doing it for a long time and have a good time with it. Um, if you don't know anything about it, then I still think you should give this episode a listen because this is a, a really cool way to get even more involved in wrestling. Uh, if you're a parent of one of these guys wrestling at ACC schools, you could even have your kid on your team if you want. Uh, give them crap if they don't do well. Who knows? But fantasy wrestling uh, has just come on the scene last year. Uh, the website WrestleStat. So if you don't know it, you need to know it. WrestleStat. On WrestleStat... They have rank everything you would want, right? Rankings, uh, in it, stories. They have links to podcasts, all kinds of stuff. But the really important thing about WrestleStat is that um, it is what it says, right? They have basically every statistic since 2013 that's happened in wrestling. So if you want to know, you know, who Kyle Dake pinned in his third pin in 2013, you can go find that out. Um, and there's all kinds of good stuff. But uh, you know. Over at WrestleStat, the guys have been working really hard. And last year, um, they actually came out with a fantasy wrestling platform, the first of its kind, the first ever. Right? So some of us, the hardcore fans, you know, like myself, have been doing fantasy wrestling for years. But I would be you know, at the national tournament, and in between rounds, I'd be sitting in the back of the bar and have my computer out, and I'd be putting in uh, statistics into an Excel sheet and, and trying to like keep up with my fantasy a whole league that way. So I'd have, you know, a hundred guys to put in statistics for, and it was just awful. And it like, it took forever and it made it just crappy and not as much fun. But I didn't even know that at the time, because that's all we had. Uh, looking back at it, now that WrestleStat has come out with the, its own fantasy wrestling platform, it, it's a game changer, right? If you're a guy that likes fantasy football or a lady that likes fantasy football, you go to like you, uh, Yahoo Sports or ESPN or wherever you go, Think of that web page, right, where you select, you, you draft your guys and you put them in each week. It's the same thing, but for wrestling. So if you're a fantasy sport guy, girl, and you're a wrestling fan, this is the best crap that's happened in a long time. So uh, what we're doing today is I brought on the fantasy experts, right? My man, Tony and Todd over at Fantasy Wrestling. Fantasy College Wrestling, they named it very easy for everybody to find. They are the experts in the field. If you ever uh, are, again, in fantasy sports and you listen to these guys on ESPN, they give you all the fantasy analytics. Well, Tony and Todd are those dudes in wrestling. Uh, so I brought them on and I said, hey, why don't, you know, since we, we got this ACC thing going, why don't you come in and let's chat about the ACC teams and see who these people would want on their fantasy team, right? Um, we had an awesome conversation. There's six teams and, you know, three of them took us over two hours to talk about. So we're, we're cut it, we cut it down three and three. So this episode is going to be Duke, Carolina, 
and Virginia Tech. And then tomorrow or next episode is going to end up being the other three. So NC State, Pitt, and Virginia. Um, again, I had a great time talking about this. And if you don't know WrestleStat, even if you're not interested in fantasy sports, go check out WrestleStat because there's all kinds of good stuff there. Um, and if you are, go over, join up for wrestling, WrestleStat and get in a league. All right. And I'm going to be putting together an ACC league for the upcoming year. Uh, so if you're interested in that, then hit me up on social media. Um, on social media, my Twitter is at the Matt Geek or at Matt Geeks, whichever way. Um, and then on Facebook, we have a Matt Geeks Facebook page, as well as an ACC Wrestling Fans group. So any of those places, you can hit me up, you can find me. Um, but make sure you follow us on Rockfin to see these videos. If you're, if you're just listening, you can actually see the videos on Rockfin. And if you are watching on Rockfin, if you don't want to sit down and watch every single day, then we're also anywhere you get a podcast, right? Apple Podcasts is my preferred way to go with it, but I can plug it in my ears and I can do the yard work and I can listen to podcasts. So wherever you find your podcast, we are also there. If you guys would do me a favor and subscribe, give us a like, uh, or I mean a rate and a review, that'd be awesome. But without further ado, I'm going to shut up and stop talking and I'm going to hand it over to the experts. So here is Tony and Todd of Fantasy College Wrestling. I'm doing well. I just got back from um, Bike Week down in Ocean City, Maryland. Uh, even though it was officially canceled, unofficially, there were still people down there having a good time. So uh, weather didn't really cooperate all that much, but it was still a good good weekend. We had fun. So good riding. Yeah. No, I was, I, I was looking, listening to you guys' podcast the other day. Good Lord. And um, I, heard all, I heard that you're going. So how did that go? Like, what did you guys actually do down there? Because I know it was canceled. So. Uh, the, you know, the, we still went to the bars. We, um, we did some riding. We rode out to, um, there's a really big Harley Davidson dealership about 20 minutes outside of Ocean City. We went there. Uh, we went to um, Dewey Beach one day and, and just hit a couple bars and hung out. We, you know, rode some um, on our bikes up and around. And um, there were still some, some gatherings with the bikers and everything. Um, the bars were pretty... You know, they were only allowed about 30% occupancy. So it was actually, I liked it because I don't like being elbow to ear with everybody. So well, the fact know. that I could go into a bar and get, get a table and get a waitress and sit down and, you know, hear the people next to me talking was actually pretty cool. Um, we did hit um, the one bar the one night, uh, had, a, had a live band and, you know, there were still people in there mulling around. I, I kept my mask on, uh, yeah. trying to follow the social distancing rules. <laughs> um, so. We had a good time. So it's better than NCAA bars. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. Those, man, those get crazy. I remember it was Cleveland, I think, a couple of years ago, and I'm standing at the bar waiting to get a drink, and this big dude just, like, fights up to the bar next to me, and I look over, and it's Mark Schultz. It's like, <laughs> okay, you can have – you go first. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Whatever he wants, yeah. Yeah, like, his drink's on me. Um, but, yeah, Tony, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, hopefully I look like I'm rested. I'm, I'm putting on a, a good face for it, but uh, you know, we're, we're hanging in there with the new baby. It's uh, we, we've definitely kind of gotten over that hump of sleep deprivation, you know, four hours of sleep now feels like nine or 10 refreshing hours of sleep like it used to. So uh, we're hanging in there. It, it's good. I bet. Uh, 
there anything anything catching you off guard? Like, I mean, you just had a new baby, right? So you haven't had a baby before. No, this is the first. Like, what's the most surprising thing so far? Surprising thing is, so for him, for for my little dude, he uh, will be inconsolable at times when it comes to diaper changes. No reason why. Like, he'll be fed. He would have fed for like an hour. You know, everything's fine. He's happy. His eyes are open. He's just looking around, you know, just taking in everything. And you go, oh, we got to change you. You put him down. He starts thrashing. He was throwing left and right, you know, punches, elbows, kicks, everything like that, screaming top lung. No reason. And then as soon as you finish up, you pick him up, he's done. Yeah. It's the craziest thing. Um, so I would just say that kind of takes you off guard if you're not prepared for it. <laughs> just yeah. the, the baby screaming. I, I don't like having my diaper changed either, so. <laughs> you're not yeah. that old yet Todd <laughs> <For sure. laughs> um, man all right so I guess that before we get into anything do you guys watch the uh the NLWC matches yes what'd you think I liked it um I was tweeting out I because I was kind of taken by surprise at how quick they were getting the matches off yeah um it, it seemed more like a college duel more than what we've seen when it comes to freestyle events um usually there's a lot of the fanfare in between matches and there's the smoke effects and and things like that this was as soon as the match is done hand gets raised they're off the mat two new guys in you know they walk on either side of the mat staring each other down and then within a minute they're they're wrestling i thought it was great it was 13 matches in less than two hours um Kind of takes away that there's no fans there, like anything. But I liked it. I, I thought it was very good. I thought it was a new experience for RTC duels, which is something I, I've been kind of pushing for that I'd like to see. Just exhibitions, catch matches, like they were doing. I, I think that would be interesting to see, you know, Iowa versus Nittany Lion or Sunkiss Kids or, you know, Ohio RTC, anything like that. Yeah, not sure. Um, what did you think, Todd? You're obviously the Penn State fan. Um, yeah, I didn't get to watch it because I was down at uh, Bike Week, but um, I saw the results. Um, I guess I was uh, impressed with some of the results. I thought, you know, Kirkley, you know, getting the tech fall pretty quickly was impressive. Um, surprised that there wasn't more scoring in the Derringer uh, nickel match. I thought that would be a little bit more high scoring. Um, also surprised that um, Pantelio gave Rutherford that, that much of a match, and that was a really good match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it shows me that, and they were talking about it. I don't think Pantelio can make 143 and a half, but if he can, he would be pretty tough at that weight. But I think he might have to chop off one of his legs to get there. Yeah. Yeah. He's already in pretty damn good shape as it is. So I I was surprised when he made 49 that one time in in college. I think that was his last year. And that was because he had like mono or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I remember that scene at 49. I was like, oh, cool. He's going down. That's awesome. And then now that he was sick and that's why he, that's why he made it. That's the only reason why he had to get sick in order to make weight. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I personally don't think he could make that weight. And if he does, I don't think he could be effective at that weight. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if he trains his body to get down there, he could, he could, you know, he'd probably be pretty tough at that weight, but because he'd be so big. But I, I don't really think he can get there. Yeah. No, I think, like you said, the, the, the two big things for me was obviously Kirk Fleet and then the main. I think Kirk Fleet can legit step in and challenge Gable for national mm-hmm. title this year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
I've been on the Mason Paris bandwagon. I'm a huge Mason Paris fan, and I'm still am. But even like, even when I'm pulling for him, I know like in the back of my mind, like I don't know, it's still Gable, it's still Gable. But watching Kirkfleet just dismantle a Hamida was a two-time All-American, right? Either yeah, one or two, and two-time just dismantled him. It's like, oh, mm. okay. Like I'm not ready to anoint him the next, you know, champion yet. But he yeah. did look – it was a good measuring stick, I would say. And I think well, I, I was saying it during the season when we were all questioning whether it's Paris or it's Gable, you know, it, it's going to come down to the Big Ten heavyweight championship. To me, it's Gable until proven otherwise. You know, that's what it turned out to be. I thought we were going to get maybe the second match at NCAAs, but eh, <laughs> we didn't yeah. get to see it. Well, Kirkfleet's a world champ too, though, isn't he? Freestyle. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he was a world gold medalist, so he he's got his freestyle chops for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think he's. Yeah, man, I just I can't wait to see them wrestle. And again, like I'm not ready to do anoint him yet, like you said, but I I 100% know it's going to be a match. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to be good. But the main, my only thing with the main is like. I kind of figured it would go that way, like kind of real low scoring and not much going on. I mean, they usually go that way with, you know, two really big guys unless it's David Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, I, I, there we have to fix it to where an offensive point is criteria over a just given point because Bo Nickel won the match just because he got put on the shot clock. And – also, in the match, at one, one point, there's like 50 seconds left or something, and the referee, I think, motioned to put Bo on the clock and got shut down by the table. Yeah. So they basically, like, it, it just handed it to Bo when, I mean, I, and I don't think either of them did anything, really, but Ringer scored the only offensive point. Like, it just doesn't sit well with me. The dude, the only dude that scored an offensive point lost. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean – I like overtime. Give me, give me an overtime. First person that scores wins, no matter how they score it. Um, I don't see why you can't have like a one minute or one minute and a half overtime to decide matches. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm 100% team folk style. I I've always been, it's what I grew up with. It's what I know. It's what I write about, you know, uh, I've, I've been coming around the freestyle, but I, to me, I, to me, my opinion is, Freestyle is way more objective than it or subjective than um, than folk style. You know, people are going to point to this year the out of bounds uh, stall call rules as being you know uh, referee kind of pushing whether they want to do stall or not. I think freestyle is more so that way with because it's arbitrary. You get put on the shot clock, and they and everybody's been talking about it. if you get put on the shot clock, then obviously the other guy's most likely going to get put on it just to be fair. That's not how ma- that's not how tor- tournaments or matches go. You don't do it just because it's fair, you know? I agree. And I would be fine with criteria if, like you said, kind of reordering what's considered the hierarchy, an offensive point step out should be more than a shot clock point. Um, but even if it's tied one, one or, or something like that, I saw people posting that do a, do an overtime and then if it's still tied then go to criteria you know yeah. if it's that low of scoring because it's su- such an anomaly that you see yeah no i mean 
I agree. Like, I, I'm definitely an overtime guy. I, I'm not a fan of criteria, but I mean, they're never going to go to overtime. And yeah, I think I, I just think the, the easiest fix is an offensive point takes precedent over just a, a referee's whatchamacallit point. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't like that freestyle. The the referee plays such a huge part in the yeah. match. To me, to me, and like it, it was crazy to me the first time I found out that, um, you know, they they kind of reciprocate the shot clock stuff, right? And not only that, but usually it's kind of like the referee puts the aggressor on the clock first, so that later he just, you know, gets the point and like has the the advantage. I mean, it just makes no sense. Like, I mean, he should be able to put the guys doing nothing on the shot clock like three, four times, whatever. Like, he should be able to do it as many times as he wants. But And another gripe of mine is I I feel that it promotes stalling. And I know that's a weird thing to say with a shot clock, but what's the incentive for the guy who isn't on the shot clock to actually take a shot or, or do anything? Yeah. There isn't because if he misses, then it gets taken down and he doesn't get that extra point. So, yeah, I agree. And, it, and it, it promotes terrible shooting, if that, by the guy that's on the shot clock, guy or girl that's on the shot clock. So. Exactly. And like, if there's that situation with, you know, 20, 30 seconds left, the guy's obviously going to be stalling. The only person probably in the world that I'm taking to actually score there is Jordan Burris. Yeah. That's literally <laughs> it. Not like everybody else, I don't care who you are, I'm just, you're not getting there because they're going to be able or, to um, good enough. Or wh- what's her name that wrestled uh, Julia Salata at, yeah. at the, <laughs> with yeah. one second left? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, that was uh, is that is that Jane Valencia? Yes, well, yes. She's the one that's a that's a doctor, right? I think so. From Mexico for their their yeah. own their first time qualifier or something like that. That was absolutely wild. They like they said she's a doctor. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> It's like, that's awesome. She's a doctor and she's wrestling for the Olympics. She can take care of her own injury time, you know. <laughs> Dude. All right. Anyways, yeah. I mean, tangents. You guys are familiar. Um, oh, very familiar. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, let's get into this thing. I know you guys, you got, you know, babies and wives and all kinds of stuff to get back to. But uh, I'll stay down here as long as you need me to. <laughs> all right. We'll <laughs> stay maybe more. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm already in now. I'm, hot water with my wife since I broke one of our Halloween decorations before this. <laughs> yeah. I spent the whole day painting walls and stuff and hanging stuff up. And then I break one thing and it's just, it's over. I'm an awful person. <laughs> All that goodwill is just, yeah. yeah. I'm in, I'm in the doghouse too. Yeah. What do you my do? Girlfriend. It was totally okay for me to go down to bike week until I went and now uh, I'm for going. So <laughs> yes. Boyfriend 101, you know when she says it's okay, it's not okay. <laughs> yes, Todd's going to do what Todd's going to do. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So what we're the whole purpose of doing this thing is to go through the ACC and talk about fantasy specific um, you know, or talk about everything from a span, fantasy perspective, right? Um, because I've been doing the ACC, covering the ACC, and I want to keep that focus and bring you guys in and say, Obviously, there's a million other wrestlers out there, right? But specifically, ACC guys, who do people want, right? Uh, and there's six teams, so what we're going to do is we're going to break it up into two shows. This first show, we're going to go over uh, Duke, UNC, and Virginia Tech. And then tomorrow, we'll hit the other three. Um, so, 
we talked about it a little bit before. I guess we're just going to start at the first weight, and we're going to go all the way up to heavyweight, and we'll just hit all the teams as we go. Y'all ready? Sounds good. Ready. Cool. Yep. All right, so 125. Uh, starting off at 125, four, and, and we'll just – I just did the lineup previews, right? So I just – I talked to all of the head coaches. So as far as we know, these, this is what we got, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all updated in WrestleStat, too, because I sent them to Dan. Um, but uh, they could change, but the Duke projected starter would be Logan Agan. He is a incoming freshman, so he still obviously has a red shirt. It's his first year on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could throw in Drake Doolittle, uh, who has already taken his red shirt, uh, but uh, when I talked to Coach Lanham on the phone, he, like, a, a lot of these coaches were, were kind of like, yeah, we're going to be using our red shirts kind of strategically, trying to save years, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Coach Lanham was pretty much the only one that said they're going to wrestle off whoever wins is going and so like heck yeah why not he he kind of he was like you know what we'll talk about red shirts later let's figure out who's the best and we're going to put them out there um i like that mentality too going into it because it's you're not going to be able to change what is going to happen with this you know what it looks, what society looks like right now in the wrestling world today is not going to be the same October 1st. It's not going to be the same December 21st. You know, it's, it's changing every day. And I think having the mentality of let's just go full steam ahead, especially for Duke. And, I, and this is no disrespect to Duke, but Duke's kind of at the bottom of the ACC right now. And if you're going to go all in, do it promote your team, show off your team. You have that new coach in, in NATO in there, show off what your lightweights can do, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I love what Lanham does down in, uh, in North Carolina. Yeah. And I mean, I think the same is going to be for the other guys, right? The other coaches, they're going to wrestle off. They're going to put forward their best guy. Yeah. Um, but they, they were just in talk in talking to them. They were a little bit more, you know, we're going to make sure we visit all of our options and like try to figure out what's the best, um, you know, for, for the future. Um, and Lanham, obviously same deal, but maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more aggressive this year. They really do have a good lineup and I'm excited to see them. Um, but that's Duke, uh, North Carolina, and we'll come back and, and hit, you know, who we think is good and whatever, but yeah. I just want to kind of get the names out there. Uh, 125 for UNC um, is going to be, between Jeremiah Derby, Timothy McCater, or Timothy Decatur, and Julian Tag. Julian Tag is is supposed to be redshirting, but you know they said you know if he wins the battle and they feel it's right, he can be put in. Um, but I ended up saying Jeremy or Jeremiah Derby uh, for the starter, and mm-hmm. then Virginia Tech uh, is it's going to be between Sam Latona and Joey Prada. Uh, Joey Prada is a multiple-time national qualifier and, you know, obviously very capable, but Sam Latona is going to be that stud freshman stepping in that everybody's super excited about. Everybody remembers him almost beating Nick Piccinini. It should have been put into overtime, but he got a bad call. Um, mm-hmm. But he also uh, – he beat uh, ACC champ Jacob Camacho 10-5, to five, five takedowns. So, pretty yeah. good. Um, but that's the – that's a – the guys at 125, right? So what do you guys see from a fantasy perspective with these guys? Todd, you want to go first? Yeah, um, yeah, just real quick. I'm not, not trying to go on any, you know, a lot of tangents, but uh, 
my my brother Fine. was living for a while in South Carolina, and my nephew wrestled at Hilton Head High School. So they had a lot of tournaments in the South. And even you know a couple of years ago, my brother was talking about this guy named Sam Latona, and my brother's like, you got to see this guy wrestle. This this kid's a hammer. You know he he's just winning every tournament and he's just dominating. Um, I think Sam Latona is a All American quality wrestler right out of the gate. Like I would totally would, wouldn't mind at all if he was my 125 pounder for my fantasy wrestling league. I mean, uh, I think he, he's got, he had th- about 33% bonus last year as a, as a true freshman, um, 22 record um, and a, in red shirt. Um, I, I, I think he's going to probably, I mean, it's a deep weight this year, depending on who red shirts and who doesn't, but I could definitely see him on the podium somewhere between fifth and eighth. Yeah. hundred percent. And what you said, you know, obviously we're going to get into it more, but like for fantasy, especially usually we're talking about, you want guys that, you know, are entering open tournaments and wrestling a lot and all this kind of stuff. But in this season, you know, we talked about it before. We're probably going to be, we're we're just going to assume uh, that there's not going to be any opens, right? There could be one or two that pop up here and there, but that'll be kind of a week by week basis, right? Snatch a guy from the transfer portal. If he's going to go to an open, but for right now, it's looking like it's going to be, you know, eight to ten match, dual slate, and then conference NCAs. So, like you're saying, uh, Sam Latona, I definitely would want on my fantasy team personally because if it's going to be these conference slates with a couple of, you know, other duels thrown in, you want one of the, you want the top guys in the conference, right? And Sam Latona is 100% going to come in and be viable to win an ACC title. I mean. He beat up on the guy that's that I have ranked number one in the ACC right now uh, last year. And the only reason I have him ranked above Sam Latona was because Latona redshirted last year. Camacho won an ACC title. I, I can't not put the returning ACC champ at the top. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Tony, what do you think? I'm right there with you. This year is going to be an asterisk, I, I think, in fantasy wrestling, fantasy college wrestling, because – like I was saying, we don't know. Uh, right now, no team really has a schedule out. And it's basically all been said that the season's going to start January 1st. So it's really going to be starter heavy, whereas in past years, you look for, like you said, guys in open tournaments, the backups. You know, you look for those matchups and, and going by WrestleStats scoring – plus three for a win by decision, minus three for a loss by decision, and and so on. Um, Sam Latona last year was the number 14 fantasy wrestler in all 125. Um, I mean, looking at that, it's it's really going to depend on what that match count is going to be. Typical year, it's 15 is that RPI number that you want to reach, right? What is it going to be this year? Are they even going to have one? this year are they just going to do like you said conference only and then maybe some select ones and if you're doing that he's already beat like you said he's already beaten jacob camacho i would pick sam latona over anybody else at 125 right now in the acc and then if you're going just by geographic location that's probably corbin mink at campbell you're thinking um i think it's sean carter at at appalachian state you know you're looking at those kind of close things i would pick latona over that and by bonus most likely too because like Todd said, 30, 32% bonus rate, that's what you like to see from, from your fantasy guys. Um, I definitely 
I definitely like Latona. Unfortunately, he is kind of known for that. Was it? Was it not a takedown at the scuffle? But like you said, he beat Camacho. <laughs> was it or wasn't it a, a takedown um, against Piccinini? But he beat Camacho, and I think that's that's a good young rivalry that we're going to have in the ACC at one twenty-five. Right now, I see those two as as the heavy hitters at yeah. at, the, at the ACC. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and one thing I wanted to, to go back to, and just, you know, for the casual fans, right, there's there's people that are just now getting into fantasy wrestling. I mean, heck, we saw Kennedy Monday tweet Come the in. other day, right? <laughs> he tweeted, what if there was something, or I don't remember exactly, right? Sorry, Kennedy, but, um, you know, what if there was a, a wrestling, fantasy wrestling or something like that? And mm-hmm. I just tagged WrestleStat. It's like, here it is. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, for the casual fan or for the people that are listening to this and that might want to get into wrestling, uh, fantasy wrestling, first of all, wrestle stat. That's where it's at. Yes. But you said something that I think is important for people to know. Uh, what is RPI? So RPI basically is what the criteria that – part of the criteria that they use for uh, seeding, I believe, right? In, yeah, in for, NCAA for, tournament. For NCAA tournament. And one of the criteria in that it, – it's – it's some equation that I can't break down that I know Russell Stat's been trying to break down. And I think Nomad has gotten close to breaking it down. <laughs> it's like the, the, the Coca-Cola formula. Nobody can write, get the right combination of everything. Like the uh, Pythagorean theorem. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but essentially one of the criteria is a minimum match count. And last year they lowered it, I think from 17 matches, D1 matches to 15. And Spencer Lee was right on that 15 match count last year. I think Jack Mueller was like 13 due to injury. I think he had some, and there were some that were less than that. There were some that were a lot more than that. Um, So RPI, whether RPI is going to actually play a a factor this year, I, I don't know. I I don't know if they're going to put that. You could easily get 12 to 15 matches in seven weeks, you know, doing that try meets quad meets things like that because we're probably not going to see tournaments but i i don't know there's still a lot of questions but we have to assume that we're going to have a regular season starting january 1st (laughs) yeah Uh, and i think you know the important thing for people to know basically associate with match count for right now right Mm -hmm. um the the minimum match count's been 15 talking to the ac first of all talking to the acc coaches all of them have been on the same page saying January for January one start. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's not like an official thing that's come out. I think a tree just fell. Um, <laughs> I know it's not an official thing that has come out, but um, they've said that, you know, they're, they're planning on a January one start. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely have lost my train of thought. That was wild. Um, <laughs> did you hear that? I heard no, it. Something. Right. <laughs> oh man! Like it's. Uh, I thought a car hit the side of my house or something. I'm like, ever hurricane coming through? <laughs> uh, that was wild. But I don't even know where I was at. So <laughs> we're, we're just gonna move on. Uh, anyways, <laughs> what I was trying to, to get at was uh, the other guys, right? We know Samuelton, right? We know mm-hmm. Samuelton would be a viable fantasy option, and obviously with fantasy wrestling, we're talking the entire nation, right? So you have all kinds of options, but we're trying to just break down these ACC guys and who we'd want. Um, Sam Altona, 100% one of the team. For the other two, 
Jeremiah Derby and uh, Logan Agan. For me personally, um, they're, they're both going to kind of be a watch and see approach. Um, out of the two, I, I really do think Logan Agan has, has a lot of uh, potential. And I think he's going to be training with Tomasello every day, right? And then on top of that, he was a three-time Ohio State placer. He went 4-3-2 and then got his tournament canceled when he was the favorite to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to think he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Um, but, I mean, he was number 22 ranked, 126 pounded by Matt Scouts. He's, he's got all the potential. Uh, I'm just – first of all, we got to make sure he starts, obviously. But right. I think he's a guy to keep your eye on. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I like what you said about his workout partner because we all know how important it is to, to have that workout partner and the guy in the room pushing you. So you have, you know, NATO in the room with you kicking your head in every day. It's if that's, you know, sink or swim mentality. You either get better or you just keep getting your ass kicked. So um, it only makes you better when you, when you have a really good workout partner like that, that that not only beats on you but also, you know, shows you some stuff along the way as well and, and just guides your, your career and – uh you know, just, you know, having a, an elite wrestler like Nathan Tomasello in the room is definitely going to help their lightweights out at Duke. It's really exciting that, that they got him as a coach. Yeah, 100%. And I know he's already been in there working out with them. So, um, you know, got a lot of good things to look forward to over there. But um, from you guys, just kind of wrapping it up, Sam Latona is definitely a dude to have on your team. The other two are kind of wait and see. Yeah, I, I think those are guys that you maybe put on a short list. Starters, any starter for a team is going to be on a short list, basically, outside of what typical fantasy wrestling guys that you look for, red shirts and, and other backups. Um, my question for you is, Joey Melendez was a 25-pounder last year. I know in your article you said that he's bulking up, going to 133 and and – Obviously, we'll get to 133. It's going to be crazy for UNC. But is there any way that one of those guys transitions down the 125? Uh, yeah. So thanks for bringing that up because I, I forgot to mention it. Um, when I talked to them, when I talked to Coach Scott, out of the guys at 33 right now, the one that he thinks is probably going to be trying to transition down would be Joe Heilman. Um, okay. Heilman was a starter two years ago and did pretty good for them. And then last season in red shirt, um, I don't have his record right in front of me, but he had a really good season in red shirt. Uh, 21 um, and nine. There we go. Yeah, he had a really good season in red shirt. Um, and like I said, I live in Chapel Hill. So it was kind of funny that I, I heard, I talked to coach and he said, yeah, out of all of them, he'll probably be the one that, that tries to make it down. And then like a day or two later, I saw him running around my neighborhood. And so <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like, he didn't have all kinds of sweats on or anything. So, I don't know if it was just, like, a jog to stay in shape or what. But uh, mm-hmm. but I remember just, you know, I was driving by. I was like, oh, maybe he is. Maybe he is cutting. <laughs> um, so, kind of wild. But uh, I could definitely see him going down because we've seen him there before. If he goes down, I would definitely think of maybe taking him with a late-round pick at 125. Yeah. Because um, he's just going to – he's going to be huge. And, I mean – if they don't, though, Julian Tag is interesting to me. If, but it it kind of sounds like, and from your article, that they're going to preserve that red shirt for him. Yeah. So, out of the out of these three schools, Logan Agan is a maybe a flyer 
maybe that's one of the late round, last round picks that you pick just to have them to make sure no one else has them. But Sam Latona is definitely going to be the guy. And I, I, I don't know. The, the other two are just going to be kind of transfer portal pickups. Yeah, no, I agree. hundred um, percent. I think if Holloman makes it down, he'll be a, a spot star as well. Um, mm. But yeah, like I said, it, you know, uh, Egan's a guy that like, if you're listening to this podcast and it, you might want to take a flyer on him later or, or pick him up and just have him on the bench. Um, you could turn out to look like a genius or you could drop him after a couple of weeks, you know? Right. Well, uh, we'll keep moving. So 133 next. Uh, for 133, uh, Duke, it's looking like it's going to be another one of these stud recruits coming in. Um, Duke is projected to have Parker Decker start for the team. Uh, he actually just came off winning the Dave Schultz High School Excellence Award in Texas, uh, which is given to the best overall wrestler in the state. And, and that's with, you know, actual career you know, stats. And then also, you know, the grade point average and community service and like everything all around best dude that's a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was 178 and eight in his high school career. And that came with 101 falls. So wow. he pinned up over a hundred people. Um, and he, he finished out his high school career the last two seasons undefeated his state titles, uh, was the 23 ranked 132 pounder on Matt Scouts. Um, so that's Duke. That's what, that's what you like to see. You like to see pins. Yeah, for sure. He's, <laughs> yeah, definitely a pinner. Um, I, I'm going to skip to Virginia Tech. We'll come back to Carolina because I know it's the only real one I'm talking about. Um, uh, for Virginia Tech, uh, Corbin Myers is going to be the guy, right? He started off his first couple of years at Edinburgh, um, transferred to Virginia Tech, and, you know, has been right there on the cusp of being an All-American, right? I think he was around the 12. No, he was around a 12 guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he beat – did he beat Dayton Fix? Or he beat Philippi, I think, right? One of those? Yeah, he beat Philippi a while back. Yeah, maybe a couple years back. 2019, I think it was. Something like that. that and Philippi at that point, I think, was like a top four ranked guy. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. Actually, I was listening to Philippi on another podcast, somebody else's, and that got brought up. Uh, somebody brought up my rankings and and that uh, Corbin Myers is number two or number three. Yeah, I know. I was like, yeah. but uh, he's like number two or three or something behind him. And uh, it was actually Philippi and his his coach from high school or something. And the coach was like, oh, Corbin Myers or something like that. Like kind of like sounded irritated. And I, I guess people will give Nikki crap or something for losing to him. I don't know, but apparently mickey's won the series like four to one or something so yeah you know he's won the majority of them um but is <laughs> that one there's yeah that one. so well, you I, know, when, when you make every match close those things happen <laughs> yeah yeah that's true um but uh yeah so i mean myers we know he's good right he's generally one of those guys that's big for the weight class uh been right there on the cusp of being an all-american it's going to be him for the Hokies. Now, is he uh, is he healthy now? Finally, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, coach said he was back in the room and working out and and looking good. So good. Um, last year he it was a medical year, so he took the year <laughs> off because he was hurt. Um, but the last one, the the big one, the crazy one, one thirty three for North Carolina is going to be an absolute bloodbath because <laughs> we we said Joe Hallman 
is probably going to go down to 125, but it's not for sure yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joe Heilman, and then you have Joey Melendez, who was the starter last year at 125. Jamie Hernandez was the starter at 133. Gabriel Tag, which is a huge recruit that Carolina got a couple years back, that just coming off red shirts, so this will be his first year of eligibility. And then they have Will Guido, who is a true freshman. That's He's going to be redshirting, um, but he's also another really big recruit for them. So out of yeah. all of it, there's a couple things. So, like, Hernandez is the returning starter, right? So he's probably, like, the favorite in the room to kind of get the nod. But going through it and looking back and research. Tag and Hernandez hit in junior trials and the finals, I think it was. And uh, Tag, I think, teched him the first time and then beat him by eight the second time. So um, mm. I, I I went ahead and put Gabriel Tag in as a starter for the Tar Heels. But it's definitely one that's up in the air. Yeah. What do you guys that, think about, about this? That, that's going to be one of those kind of roster battles that you're as a fan you're excited to see, but maybe not as a team because – Coach Scott has basically four guys that are very capable of, of starting and, and making deep runs probably at the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But right above them and not, sorry, I'm going kind of ahead. You have Zach Sherman in front of you. Nobody's going to kind of take him out of his 141 spot. So 25 and 33 is the only place for these four guys to go. (laughs) And there's only two spots and, and, I mean, Gabe Tag last year was at 141, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, I think he wrestled the majority of his red shirt at 141. Yeah. So seeing him down at 33, I think, would be better for him. Yeah. Um, if he's the starter, I like him as as a, a high-round pick. Yeah. Because um, last year with him, uh, Gabe Tag was 14-5 and five, um, during his red shirt. He was 9-4 and four against D1 competition, but he was going all over. He went to, like, the the – Northern Colorado Open. Um, he went to some East Coast tournaments and stuff like that. 58% bonus rate with, with those matches, too. So that's what you like to see from a fantasy perspective. High bonus rates, even if it's majors, those points add up, uh, especially when you're doing 10 starters and, and two uh, flex like Russell Set has. Um, Todd, what do you think? Um, it's going to be a great uh, battle to – uh, watch and, and see, uh, um, you know, obviously from a fantasy perspective, I'm going to wait and see who wins the battle before I draft anybody at that, from that school with that weight. I don't want to yeah. draft prematurely. And then the guy I draft is the backup or the, right. you know, um, I will say, um, and this is obviously for me sitting here completely not in wrestling shape, but, um, Jamie Hernandez, no, Jamie Hernandez coming out of high school was one of the top recruits in the country. He hasn't looked like that recruit yet um, in college. Now, you know, he's going to be a junior, um, but I think he was a top three guy coming out in high school at his weight. Um, Thought he was going to have more of an impact on their team, um, but is just slightly above 500 last year. Um, Did have, you know, about 20, a little over 25% bonus. But um, I, I pretty much think that, like you guys said, if, if Tag is down at 33, I would expect Tag to, to get the starting spot for, for UNC. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely expect tag. Um, but I, I just realized that I, I still have Jamie Hernandez in my rankings. I'm probably going to switch that up later. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the unfortunate part of it. And you kind of hit on it a little bit is that um, Tony said, you know, if tags the guy, then I think he's an early round pick because I think he can 100% hang with Corbin Myers. And it's to be seen, but, you know, I think the matchup with Philippi is interesting. Um, I think Philippi is the dude at 133 in the ACC until proven otherwise. I mean, he's two for two with ACC titles. Uh, but he can – Gabriel Tag is very good and can hang. Um, so I think he's a, he's a good early round pick for sure. But like you said, if we don't know who the starter is, if that's not something that's like labeled before January, which it probably won't be, then, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably going to fall way down the draft for me. Um, it's like you said, I mean, I would hate to take Gabe Tag in round three or something and then Jamie Hernandez the starter. You know? Right. So I don't know. Uh, but what do you guys think about, about the other two guys? You got Parker Decker at Duke and Corbin Myers at Virginia Tech. Duke, I'm going to – there's – for me, for all of this, Duke, there's a, only a select few guys that I'm probably going to take right now that I'm penciling in that I'm taking in a draft round. The rest of the guys like Agin and and Decker and, and things like that, those are guys I, I'm probably going to pass on and hopefully be able to pick them up if they're showing promise, if they're showing bonus rates, if they're showing wins – depending on what the schedule looks like. Um, and again, that's no slight at, at them. It's just, I don't, I don't know right now. I don't have enough historical data to, to put kind of faith behind them. Now with NATO coming in, that does make me feel a lot better about those guys because I, I've always been about, yeah, you have a head coach and everything, but who are your assistant coaches? Look at Purdue with shop and, and Daniel Lewis and what they've been able to do with like Devin Schroeder too last year as, as a fantasy superstar. Um, it's really about your, your, uh, assistant coaches. And I think NATO is a huge bump up and he's going to help those lightweights immensely. Um, Corbin Myers is interesting because he was a round of 16 finish in 2019, but I don't want to say he's injury prone, but you hate to get a guy who's had coming off of a bad injury that he didn't wrestle at all last season. I think it, it might've been a neck. I don't know that for, for sure, a neck injury. Um, but he was granted the medical 60 or coming back. I'm not going early round on on Corbin Myers. I'm going late round probably with, with him. Yeah. 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 I, would, I would take a flyer on Corbin Myers in a later round. Um, my only thing with it, there's very substantial evidence that Six-year medical waiver guys do not usually perform very well in that final year. There's just so much evidence out there to the contrary, where most guys in that extra six-year medical issues have either not performed well or continued to have injury problems. So I can't really take a guy with injury issues in an early to mid-round because I just can't can't afford to have my starting 33 – wrestle two matches and then be injured again. And then I don't have, a, you know, I'm scrambling for a starter at 133. Mm-hmm. So Myers is a guy, yeah, in a later round, if, if I have this the, uh, space on the bench, love to put him on my team and, and hope that he has a 
back, you know, bounce back year and has an awesome, you know, performance and maybe an all American, but probably going to stay away from him until maybe a later round. Yeah. And 33 is pretty top heavy right now just across the NCAA. You have Michik, you have maybe Fix, who knows, DeSanto, RBY, uh, Philippi, obviously, is, is always talked in, in national contention. But then you get into like Mikhail McGee, Austin Gomez, who's coming off a concussion himself, and Wayne, I think like 180 pounds coming into last yeah. season. Um, so hopefully he can make 133 again. I'm sure he will. Um, but after that, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, there's a drop off. You're then going into Taylor Lamont, who had a good season his freshman year, but he was inconsistent last year. Derek Spawn, good fantasy wrestler kind of, but not a national contender. Maybe fringe AA. It depends if he gets hot at the right moment. Moshe Schwartz, Devin Turner, Louis Hayes, who we'll talk about tomorrow. Um, you know, good guys, but I don't know if they're, they're my 133 fantasy starter that I can set and forget. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think as far as these three teams go, um, I probably wouldn't be drafting anybody early, mm-hmm. right? It, it would be past round 8, 9, 10, um, if anybody. Um, I, would take them, I would take Myers probably as a backup. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and again, that Carolina roster battle is really what pushes it back for me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll keep going. So, uh, for 141 at Duke, um, it's looking like Ty Mills. Ty Mills was the starter last year. Um, he was, you know, 4-19 and 19 in his first year starting, so not the best year. But um, the, the thing I really like, and, you know, we, we're – I hate to, like, sound like you we're down on Duke, right, because I'll tell everybody right now that if there's a team in the NCAA that I really want to watch this year, it's Duke. Because they last year, the, the way that the coach did it was he basically took a Penn State punt year, right? Yeah. Everybody that was, that was not everybody, but like their top guys, he chose the red shirt. And some of them even went to the Olympic Training Center to train. And he threw in all the dudes that didn't have experience, right? So mm-hmm. everybody on that team now has experience. Um, so I would really keep an eye on them for fantasy. Probably not people you're going to want to draft for the majority of them, but. Um, you know, you really could strike gold later. Um, but, yeah, so Ty Mills, 141 for Duke. Uh, North Carolina, it's going to be uh, the man Zach Sherman, ACC champ last year, beat Tariq. Um, he's actually losing to Tariq by, like, two takedowns and then came back. Um, and then for Virginia Tech, it's looking like it's going to be Colin Girardi. Um, coach did say keep an eye on Sam Heligas. Uh, Heligas is a true freshman that's coming in that's probably going to be red shirting uh, but was a very good recruit um, he was a two-time Pennsylvania state champion um, and I believe he got third and second the other two years so yeah top top three all four years uh, he was 157 and five in PA so if there's <laughs> I mean that's insane so I say if we get him in the lineup he's going to be a fantasy option, but mm-hmm. I don't think we see him this year. Yeah, I think he – I think Roby is probably going to redshirt just about everybody that he can. Yeah. Because um, Tech does have a, a very good team. Yeah. Um, Girardi not – you know, didn't have a terrible season last year, uh, 14 and 11. Um, but Sherman 
I think out of the these three teams, Sherman, I think, is the cream of the crop here. Number yeah. eight in fantasy points last season, um, beating out Tariq Wilson, who I was high on coming into last season, I thought was going to be kind of one of those guys that got overlooked. Sherman was turned out to be that guy. I think a lot of people kind of slept on on Sherman. He comes in 27-5 and five last year with, with an almost 38% bonus rate. Um, ACC championship went under his belt. I think he's going to ride that into this next season, whatever that season may look like. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really high on Zach Sherman. Um, I, I wasn't as much the year before because we saw him wrestle his freshman year and then he took his red shirt. And in his freshman year, I mean, he was a big recruit out of Blair Academy, um, but just didn't perform the best, right? It's hard to, tran to translate your success in high school to college, especially when you go right out of the gate. Um, but he took that redshirt year and came back. And my thing about Sherman is it, it's not the flashiest style, right? But the dude is a grinder, right? Mm -hmm. And is never out of a match. I mean, when he was in the ACC finals with Tariq, Tariq came out like a bat out of hell and took him down two or three times and was like, basically, if you watch the first period of that match, you're just like, okay, Tariq's going to coast to a win. But Sherman just didn't give up and just continued to come back and just keep fighting and ended up getting a takedown at the end to seal it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really high on Zach Sherman. I think he's a really good fantasy option, especially if we're going to get basically a conference slate with a couple extra duels. Um, I mean, outside of Tariq, I don't really see anybody beating him until mm -hmm. NCAAs. And it, it's kind of funny. So like I said, um, Sherman ended the 2020 season as the number eight fantasy guy at, at um, 141 last year. Tariq Wilson, just for statistics, shits and giggles, uh, his average draft position was 34.07, which would have made him the 31 ranked guy pick, the, the 31 ranked guy, uh, Tariq Wilson. He ended up being the, where is it, the number 16 fantasy guy at, at 141, Tariq Wilson. Zach Sherman had an ADP of 120, which made him the 196th ranked guy picked. Huge differences, better fantasy quality for you. So yeah. it just shows that as much as we can say, this is the guy I like, this is, I don't know. Any guy can get hot at any point. And this year, especially, like we said, starters are going to be a premium. The backups and, and red shirts are going to take kind of a, a step back in, in being as needed. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, you know, we kind of already said it, Virginia Tech, but the only other thing I wanted to say, and it was kind of brought up a minute ago when we talked about red shirting, you're saying Roby's probably going to end up red shirting the majority of them. Um, I, I agree. Um, I will say, though, and especially like the vibe I got talking to him, I think that there's a bunch of very, very good recruits at Virginia Tech that could step in and immediately have impact. And mm. so I think that if – and kind of – he didn't say it, but, like, the vibe I'm getting is, like, if we get into this season and you have guys, you know, like, fixed and Michich and, like, these weight classes, like, clear out with red shirts, I can 100% see Virginia Tech going all in and pushing all chips in because they can 100% be a trophy team. Uh, yeah. if, if things turn out that way. So 
Um, I would just kind of pay attention because I think Colin Girardi is is a good wrestler. I mean, he's he's a sophomore. He had a decent year last year. Um, he has the ability to be really good. Uh, but I, I would I would keep an eye on Hilgis because if they put him in the lineup, he's a fantasy option right away. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I watched Sam Hilgas wrestle last year at State's PIAA. Super stud, great wrestler, a uh, lot more potential to get even better than he is. Um, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that he tied Kerry Collette's record for PJW titles. Really? Which is impressive. I think that's like seven or eight junior state titles. Um, and for people that don't know, PJWs is uh, the Pennsylvania junior wrestling. So that's like youth through eighth grade. That's st- states for youth wrestling in Pennsylvania. It's a big deal. Um, I'm pretty yeah. sure he tied Colat, Terry Colat's record at, with PJW titles. And then he won two state titles. And like you said, never finished lower than third. Um, and, you know, he would have won it last year or this year, I should say except that um, Sammy Henson's boy, Wyatt, moved back to Pennsylvania and beat him in the state finals. Um, if, if Wyatt's not back in PA from, from Missouri this year, you know, Sam would have probably gotten his third title. So yeah. I, could, I could definitely see him stepping in and, and being an impact fantasy wrestler right away. I actually watched that match in my research. That was a, that was a good match. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, uh, I, I think – you know, you said it right. Out of these three dudes, Zach Sherman's a for sure get for fantasy. Um, Colin Girardi slash Pelagas, whoever, they could definitely be an option. Keep an eye on it. And then Duke, we're just kind of waiting and seeing. Um, but speaking of Duke, let's keep going to 149, where uh, we're, we're definitely going to have a fantasy option for Duke now. Uh, Josh Finesilver is returning after taking his red shirt last year. Um, Fine Silver as a freshman was 20 and 20, the sophomore 22 and 13, and then took a red shirt last year uh, to get better. And so he, he decided that he had a good year. He wanted to take the year to build up to 149 because he was a 141 pounder. Um, so he, he took the year, worked out, committed to the weights and getting bigger, um, committed to coming in and wrestling, wrestling a lot. He, he wrestled uh, 15 matches in red shirt. He was 11 and four. With the uh, the significant win on his resume is a guy we're going to talk about. Also, um, he beat Bryson Donian uh, by a major decision. So he majored Bryson Donian uh, while he was in red shirt, and, and Donian went on to be the ACC runner-up. So um, that's a, a, an incredible win to have on your resume. But oh, yeah. uh, on the other the other guys, right? So <laughs> these these three dudes are hammers. Okay, at 149 for the Tar Heels, Austin O'Connor arguably the best guy in the country right mm. if you're asking me it, they got flo's got sasso right number one dude i'm taking aoc all day um yeah i'm i'm very bullish on on o'connor yeah i i'm ready for austin o'connor this year i don't know if you guys have seen the pictures they've been putting out but he also has a flow this year and so <laughs> he's twice as aerodynamic and right? yeah he's gonna be good um, for those shots you know it's <laughs> yeah and then I, I already mentioned him a little bit uh, for Virginia Tech. We got Bryce Andonian. Uh, Andonian was a freshman that was in red shirt last year. Uh, Coach Ruby pulled him out of red shirt because he thought he was ready. And he was because he made the ACC finals. Ended up losing mm-hmm. to O'Connor in a, a tight match. Um, but he was 8-3 and three in the ACC last year. Um, 
and he, he had a really good season. He ended up being the 20 seed at the NCAA tournament. Um, and he's definitely one of the guys that I think uh, was going to perform higher than the seed at the tournament. So, uh, yeah, but those three dudes, all studs. Uh, what do you guys think about these three guys? I, I like Andonian. Um, even though I think – did he lose by major to O'Connor? He lost by decision one time. I think it was a major the first time and then a decision in the finals. Right. Um, Andonian's a pinner. He's a guy that will go out and get six. He has a bonus rate last year of, of almost 55%. Um, and I think another reason he was thrown into the lineup too was wasn't that um, Mitch Moore's spot? Didn't he get injured or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think I think about that. Because he right, yeah, Mitch Moore pinned Sasso, right? And then he kind of had like a walk-off almost, never came back to wrestle the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, but Andonian going in there, I don't think they missed a, a step. He was number 12 in fantasy points at 149 last season. Um, with almost like I said, a 55% bonus rate. But I think Todd, I think you might have had uh O'Connor on your team. No, my my brother did, I think. Okay. Well, you're twins, so I get that mixed up a little bit. Um, but O'Connor is, I think, national contender ready. I, I don't know what else. He's the number 19 overall in fantasy points in across all weights, O'Connor. Yeah. Um, 25 and one last season. I think his one loss was to Lugo at, at Midlands. Yep after going through the gauntlet of, of Pokemon trainer, that is Iowa 149. Yeah. He hit every single Iowa 149 pounder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do like fine silver too. Um, he, he had a close loss with uh, I think Jaden Abbas last season too. Um, he, it wouldn't be a preview without having a fine silver. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I had, a, I had Mitch on with Coach Lanham the other day. And when I got to one of his brothers, and I was like, all right, we got a fine silver here. He's one of, like, 17. Um, <laughs> and he laughed. He thought it was funny. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. What were you going to say about fine silver? I cut you off. No, I, I like fine silver. I don't know if he's a high draft pick at this point, but he's a mid-rounder for me. I yeah. think – I'm going to try out to get one of those guys like Sasso, like O'Connor um, first, and then have Fine Silver as kind of my backup or flex option for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, at 149, 149 is still kind of packed, especially if the rumors are that Yanni goes up too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I was going to say that, um, you know, if, if Yanni takes his Olympic red shirt, which I think he probably will. I think Austin O'Connor could beat a national champ this year at 149. Yeah. I think he's a definite first round pick. If maybe slips into the second round, um, he doesn't go later than the second round though. I mean, and if, if he goes to the second round, you're getting a steal in yeah, the yeah. second round. Um, and then, you know, Indonian and um, Spine Silver, both of them I wouldn't mind having on my team, but like you said, maybe middle, of the, of the draft order, like fifth, sixth round, if they're still available and I need a guy, then I wouldn't mind, you know, I wouldn't pro have a problem with either of those guys being on my team. Um, both super tough, um, going to have good years. 
Um, yeah. My biggest question is, and I know it'll probably work itself out this year because he's going to redshirt, but Lachlan McNeil, the recruit from that UNC guy, this guy is special. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've watched him wrestle. He's, he's next level good. It's not going to be an issue this year because Austin O'Connor, I mean, Lachlan's going to redshirt probably, but going forward, I'd love to see where, where they fit him in the lineup. Yeah. Um, so he's actually gray shirting. So he's not on campus this year. Um, oh, so that's how they're going to do it. Yeah. He's not on campus. They, 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 they couldn't talk about him since he's gray shirting because he's you know not actually there. Um, but I think, I don't know. I, I think it could go two ways, right? Because obviously you got Austin O'Connor there, um, and they have Sonny Santiago at 157, uh, who's another huge recruit. So they're going to have to fit people in, and I don't think like they don't want to have a man out, right? So I can see McNeil sitting out this year, gray shirting, Austin O'Connor at 49, um, and then next year I can see McNeil red shirting and letting Austin O'Connor finish out. And then you have McNeil and Santiago. So you yeah. don't lose any kind of uh, eligibility there. That makes uh, sense. So, and, I mean, I really want to see him wrestle, but it could be a couple of years. So, yeah. It sucks, but, you know. It, Let me put it, it this way. If, I, if I'm doing a, a keeper league, a dynasty fantasy wrestling, yes. I'm, I'm putting Lockley McNeil on my team. 100% draft him and just stash him away. And whenever he wrestles, you're going to be happy. Yeah, I never never thought I'd say that about a Canadian wrestler, but he's, he's pretty special. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I mean, like I said, AOC, Austin O'Connor is going to be definitely one of the top picks for you. Um, I personally would take him in the first couple of rounds, and yeah. I mean, for sure, and I'm, heck, I'm okay taking him first round. I mean, it, it just... It depends on how it falls, right? First or second round for me. But, like, my thing is – and I've, I've had the pleasure of watching him wrestle so much because I live right here and walk to the stadium. But when the dude wrestles, like, he just has an incredible motor. He never stops. Like, that's 100% a, a guy that's going to get bonus for you because he doesn't – it's not like the big moves, right? So he might not be teching a bunch of people because he's not, you know, hitting fireman's carries for six. But – the guy never stops and he's on people's heads the entire match and just pulls on them until they eventually break. And then he scores a bunch of points. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that he's a very, very good pick, especially with just this ACC slate. He's a, he's a dude that um, I'm comfortable saying will be undefeated uh, heading into March. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, looks that that's what 60% bonus rate does for you. (laughs) No, no matter who you are, 60% bonus is something that's going to catch our eyes in fancy. Um, I think he's, I think he's head and shoulders above the rest of the ACC right now. So, yeah. And like you said, I think he's top three in all of NCAA. Mm -hmm. So if he is definitely worth a first round pick, absolutely worth a second round pick. If he falls to the second round, you, you snatch it up. Yeah. Um, sure. But he's, he's definitely the 149 with these three teams. It's O'Connor and Bryson and Fine Silver are right there, right behind them. Guys, all three I want on my team, but definitely yeah. going to O'Connor. Yeah, no, that's where I like, you know, obviously if you, if you miss out on the O'Connor, Yanni, uh, Sasso, I, yeah, if you miss out on those guys, then Andonia and Fine Silver should be right there with you. 
Yeah. And they, they should make they should get you some points. Um, I'm not really high on, on Sasso. I know that he's good. I mean, he could come out and win the title this year, I know. But um, he just got a, a way harder slate uh, in the Big Ten. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would rather much rather have Austin O'Connor or Yanni um, just because of where they're wrestling. But, O'Connor has more offense, I would say. A lot more offense. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my one knock on Sasso would be he's got to start creating his own offense and not just live off the uh, funk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I just felt like the entire time I was watching him last year, I just felt underwhelmed. Like, he's very, very good. And I just, like, he, he, it's the same I felt with Lugo for, for years. For Lugo, I was like, this dude is so good. He could be going out there just racking up points, beating on people, and he's just winning by one point every time. Mm-hmm. And he got better last year. He kind of improved that. Um, but that's how I felt about Sato last year. Yeah. I was watching him. I'm like, dude, you could be teching these guys. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, I think when I watch Sato wrestle, I think of Dean Heil, which is like yes. every win is a one-point match. I'm like, come on, man. Like, you don't have to win every match three to two. Like, Exactly. Yeah. Uh, whatever. But <laughs> 157. Uh, so at 57 for Duke, uh, it's looking like Wayne, uh, Wade Unger. Uh, Unger was the 49-pounder last year, went 10-17. and 17, um, Bergen Catholic wrestler. But at UNC, um, it's looking like we're going to have uh, Josh McClure. Um, McClure is a, is a North Carolina kid that um, has been has been kind of that seasoned veteran, right? He stepped in whenever they needed him, and his, he's pulled out some good ones. So um, not a you know, national title threat per se, but um, definitely a solid guy that can step in and get some wins. And then Virginia Tech is looking like it's going to be the uh, the freshman Connor Brady. So uh, Brady took a uh, a red shirt last season, uh, went nine and two while doing that with forty nine percent bonus. And then um, yeah, I mean he he was just he was a really highly rated recruit coming into Virginia Tech. He was uh, a Super Thirty Two and an Ironman winner, uh, three time state placer, and he was the number nine overall recruit by Matt Scouts, I believe. Or actually, I believe it was by Willie at Flo. Willie, formerly known as Willie at Flo. I got to make that distinction. I'll either say Matt Scouts or Willie at Flo. Right. <laughs> I mean, um, going into this weight, as you know, as far as these three teams go, as crazy as it, it – well, maybe not crazy, but I'm taking Connor Brady over the other two all day just mm-hmm. on potential alone and just on the credentials he has coming out of high school. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I would have no trouble if Connor Brady was my starter 157 for the year. Um, is he going to be a national title contender? Probably not with Deacon and guys like that around, but I think he could still be a top 10 fantasy guy and find his way on the podium, maybe somewhere around six, seventh or eight. Yeah. Well, we know no matter what, all of these guys are fighting for second in the ACC because you got Hydley over at NC State, who is an animal, um, will be going for his fourth ACC title this coming year. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. It, it's Out of these three dudes, it's definitely going to be Connor Brady. I think that McClure could be like a, a, a pick-em-up start, um, I, I, especially this year, right? Because we've talked about this year with, with not having opens probably um that there's there's gonna be a lot 
slimmer pickings, right? And mm -hmm. so you might have a guy that, that doesn't have a match or I don't even know how that's going to go, right? They might have a match every single week. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but if you're in a situation where you need somebody, uh, I, I think a guy like McClure can be kind of a matchup uh, pick for you. Um, if you have a good matchup, right? If he's wrestling Wade Unger at Duke, which um, I, I would just kind of give the edge to McClure in that situation, being a little bit more of a veteran. Um, but, you know, Unger is definitely kind of a wait and see guy. I know that they're, they're excited over there. They got a bunch of guys moving up weight classes and they think that's going to do better for them. So um, I would keep an eye on him. But yeah, out of these three, I'm going Connor Brady. How about you, Tony? Uh, I, I like Connor Brady. I mean, he was number 41 in fantasy points last year at 57, nine and two. Um, I like the potential there with him. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sold yet, but you know, cause I'm looking at Josh McClure too. He 22 and five record. Right. But if we break it down to division one matches, he was 13 and five, which is good. It's, it's enough of a buffer that I like to see in D1 wins because, yeah, you can pin those guys from Grandview or, you know, one of the lacrosse uh, Wisconsin schools uh, or something like that. But WrestleStat, as of right now, only counts matches that you wrestle against D1 competition. So a 13-5 and five record, I'm okay with that, but I don't know if that's, that's high draft pick material yeah. for me right now. 157 is very heavy, top heavy with Deacon and, and Hidley. Um, I believe Quincy Monday's definitely taking a gray shirt year. Yeah. Um, David Carr, I don't know. I think he could go 65. I don't know the if he's staying at 57 or what. He's going 65. He is going to go 60. I know you talked about last year. Yeah. He was having trouble making weight last year at 57. I think yeah. he should. And, I mean, Josh Humphrey – and then so your top three guys right there are Hidley, Deacon, and Delavecchia going by WrestleStat. And if Carr's out of there, then the number four guy is Josh Humphreys, who Bergie beat last year coming back from that bad injury that he had overseas. So it's a steep drop-off, I think. Well, you have Kendall Coleman, too, and White Sheets and everything. It's good wrestlers, but they've been shown that they can take losses. I don't know if Josh McClure is, is AA ready yet. We'll see. Maybe in this coming year, there's going to be a lot more red shirts. But I think, to me, 157 with these three teams, I'm kind of having a sit back and, and wait approach. Hopefully, maybe yeah. Brady's not picked up and he's an easy transfer portal pickup. Maybe same with McClure. But yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a way Santiago even starts maybe for him. I don't think so. Um, just especially with everything going on in the world, I, I really doubt that we'll see him. Yeah, um, he's really good, and they actually just did like a Q and A with him. It was kind of cool, um, but it I, works perfectly that McClure graduates as a senior and then he just steps in. Yeah, I just see that because I mean, with all the uncertainty going on right now, I'd rather if I'm them, I'd rather save Santiago throw McClure, who actually last time he was a starter, and I think what you're saying is great, and I kind of even glossed over, when he was a starter as a sophomore for them, he was 20 and 13, and he was a national qualifier. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I kind of apologize because I kind of glossed over him, right? 
Um, definitely, definitely should be right there in that conversation with Connor Brady for me. Um, but we'll keep moving. So Duke at 165. Uh, they, it, it's, it's kind of a weird situation because the guy that I predicted is definitely a little bit more of a prediction than, than I think. Uh, because Benjamin Anderson is coming back. He was their starter before. Um, he, he went 5-12, and 12, so, you know, not the best year, um, but had a heck of an awesome mullet for a while. It was, mm-hmm. it was really fluff, fluffed and feathered. Um, but uh, I actually went with Brandon LaRue, uh, who I think is going to get the start, because I know he's a guy around the program that they're really excited about. Um, he actually was listed on the roster, I think, at 149, but he's one of the guys that I guess is – really committed to his weightlifting in the offseason has put on a lot of weight and um coach Landon really thinks he's gonna fit in as as a really good size 65 pounder where you know he doesn't have to worry about weight as much and um just can kind of continue to grow into it a little bit for the future because um he he's a guy that uh that they're they're, i just know they're really excited about him um had a 13 and 8 record in redshirt last year so i'm gonna go with brandon larue because out of the 65 pounders, he's the only guy that had a winning record last season. Um, so I think that if he ends up there, which I think he's going to, he'll be the guy. Um, 65 for North Carolina, dude that we all know. Hopefully he's listening because he tweeted out about uh, not knowing if we had fantasy wrestling or not. And right. I, uh, I was like, yeah, here's WrestleStat. And then uh, <laughs> I actually commented on one of his things later, or I think I tagged him in our post. I was like, Kennedy, listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we're uh, here. Like, yeah. gosh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Kennedy Monday for the Tar Heels at 165. Um, and I mean, we all know how good he is and we'll talk about him. Um, but then the Hokies ha- are rolling out, you know, none other than the champ at 165. I know that there was speculation around if Makai was going to go 74 or not. Um, I actually asked Coach Roby pretty point blank in the interview and uh and he said he's going 65 this year um obviously he could get bigger and go up later but he's a 65 pounder for this year um they also have another really big recruit behind him so uh clayton Olry, uh they just got this year is is a big recruit um so he'll obviously redshirt being behind the champ but uh some somebody to notice and you know if they do have open somebody to keep an eye on so yeah i'd I was in the camp with thinking that Lewis was going to go up to 174. Um, we had Earl on our podcast who kind of said the same thing, and, and you confirmed it with your recent uh, talk with, with Roby that 65 is where Lewis is going to go this year, which I think is, is good for them and this lineup. And then it works perfectly. I'm still thinking he's going to go up next year, <laughs> uh, the 174 which would fit perfectly for Ulrey to come in and start at 65. Um, but Lewis is definitely a first round pick. If you're the number one draft pick, number one overall, he, especially if it's a dynasty draft, he's worthy of a first round number one overall pick. 100%. Um, 43% bonus rate in 2019 when he was the champ. He had a couple head scratching losses. Um, I think one was to Missouri. I have to go back and actually look. And yeah. then, and another one was to, I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah he had two of them that were, they were kind of like 
what happened. And that was the kind of contributed to him being the eight seed at NCAAs and people not really knowing who he was. Um, but, I mean, kind he of had, playing an Isaiah White. I, I, I the Isaiah White, I would say, is a good, yeah, good loss. He had an incredible run. I mean, people want to talk, and I, I've even talked about Marinelli got screwed with his run, man. The one seed had uh, what, what's his name, uh, John Smith's son, uh, Joe, Joe Smith. Smith. Joe yeah. Smith, and then uh, I don't know. His run was insane, um, but people don't put enough on Makai's run in that same tournament, yeah. uh, taking out Marinelli, Wick, and then Vincenzo. So, yeah, man. I mean, there he there hit. might there might not be a guy in college wrestling that I'm more excited about this year. And I always have this kind of feeling when you see a great tournament run by a guy. Are how are they going to respond next season? Yeah. Um, like, and this is no slight. Kevin Jack had that great, I think, freshman year or sophomore year run, yeah. and he was always top top ten at the weight, but he never got to like the finals. He never got to that that peak that I think everybody was kind of putting him at. No, no slight to him. He still had a, a fantastic career, but I think Lewis winning that championship. I don't see him regressing at all i think he's going to keep climbing the lewis i i think there was a quote by uh ty walls who said after he won his first international tournament um that hit juniors right or something like that yeah as a junior world title it was his first time ever wrestling yep freestyle too <laughs> yeah he he's a sponge he just picks up wrestling Crazy. so i don't i don't see him regressing i only see him getting stronger and bigger and faster and winning more titles. So he's definitely a guy I'm picking first round. Absolutely. There's no way he should make it to the second round. I don't think there's any way he should make it out of the first four or five picks. Probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's insane. But I think even like you said, like he, he won a – I think it was either a junior or a cadet. I think it was a junior. But yeah, he won a junior. age level of some sort world title um, for his tournament. And there was an interview with him somewhere where they asked him about it. And I'm pretty sure he even said like, I don't even know how I feel about this stuff. <laughs> uh, like he's won a world title and you're like, ah, I don't even know if I like it. Um, yeah. They but, did an exhibition, I think last season with him and Bolin doing freestyle too. Yeah. And I think he beat out Bolin and Bolin is, he's like the mountain from game Way of Thrones. <laughs> Dude, Bolin, like if there's one person that I would want to like, can I just take their body and like me be that person now? It might be him <laughs> because he, dude, he's like big and thick and muscular. Like, like, man, why does, why does everybody else get the good genes? I'm sitting over here at five, seven, my whole life. Just, you know? Yeah, no, I feel you. <laughs> Whatever. But, uh, but yeah, now, uh, Makai, man, I, I don't see him. I think he's a, obviously for sure for Trump pick. Uh, especially because I don't see him losing until semifinals of NCAAs at the earliest, right? I think that's the earliest place. You know, who knows how the brackets get drawn up with his craziness, but mm -hmm. in a real world, like, I don't see anybody competing with him until then. Um, and then, you know, who knows? He could win another yeah. title or, or – I mean, yeah. the history has yet to be written, so. Um, that was uh, – I was a little bit leery about him – at 174, just because of how tough 174 is going to be with yeah. Kemmerer and, um, you know, Mesa, because Mesa beat him at um, the World Trials this year. 
Um, but if he's staying at 65, I, I, him and Marinelli, I mean, one and two, and I would probably take Makai over Marinelli, just more gifted athletically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at 165, if that's where he's staying, then he's a – I mean, if I had the first pick in the draft, I might even, you know, take him first. So, yeah. he, he's going somewhere in the first round. For me personally, the only guy, if I'm a Virginia Tech fan, the only guy I'm worried about for Makai is Shane Griffin. Um, I just looking at the 65 field that, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not saying that other guys can't beat him, right? Marinella could easily go out there and beat him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Wick can beat him. These dudes could beat him, but I just, the only guy that I'm looking at and I'm like, eh, I'm going to be kind of worried when we hit that match would be Shane Griffin for me. Yeah, he's already beaten Wick. Yeah, Tony can do it. Griffith, still kind of an unknown because we didn't get to see him at the tournament. He had undefeated year, obviously, but and he and he had a couple tough matches, you know. But I think everyone it was kind of like the um, uh, Noah Adams conundrum. It's like, yeah, he keeps winning, but has he really faced anyone tough? They did. There were there were tough matches. You know, he, he had a close match with uh, Tanner schedule, I think, at, at um, the scuffle. Yeah. But, and a close yeah. one with Whitlake, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Whitlake's another guy that's bad. Yeah. That way. I forgot about him. Yeah, for, for me, it's kind of that factor, too, right? It's like, I don't know exactly what we're getting. Like, he looks great. Uh, Griffith, he looks awesome. I think that he's every bit the title contender. But, yeah, part of it, too, is, is that, like, we haven't seen it against the top guys yet, so I don't know. Like, he could go out there and absolutely wreck one of the dudes. Or he could go out there and lose handily. Who knows? Um, but uh, another guy I do definitely want to put some, some time talking on is Kennedy Monday. Yeah. Um, Kennedy Monday, man, is an absolute conundrum for me ranking. Okay? So when I do my ACC rankings, I want everybody to know, first of all, that this is not a projection, right? This is me looking at the stats and the who beat who and right. just putting it in the order of where it should be, right? This is me taking all of my subjective thoughts out of it. When I do, you end up with Kennedy Monday as the five seed or the five ranked guy in the ACC, which we all know is absolute crap. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it's absolute crap. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. I think that he was dealing with some injuries or, or illness or something. I remember something was going on right there at the end of the year. Uh, but, you know, um, he, so he kind of took a couple of losses. But I think we all know when this dude is on, he's one of the best guys in the country. I mean, he tech-balled David McFadden. So, yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Enough said. <laughs> but he, he won every scramble. I mean, yeah. and every scramble he won, he won, you know, putting McFadden on his back. <laughs> Yeah. Um, here's the million-dollar question I have for you, Jacob. Um, what happened with him entering a transfer portal for like a half an hour and then jumping back in to say he's staying at UNC? I don't know. Um, I don't really want to speculate on it because I, I don't know the details. Um, I, I didn't ask them because I just – I didn't want to put that bad juju out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I think, I don't know, like I've heard through other people, so not even anything to do with NC or with UNC. Um, I have, you know, friends that know people in the program and stuff. 
Um, I, I've heard that maybe he was getting kind of tired of, of being just in, in Chapel Hill. Um, I know, you know, he's with their, with his parents and, and I mean, I know for me, for college, like I wanted to get the hell away from my parents. So, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I don't know exactly what all goes into it. He's been there. He's redshirted. He's been there for a long time. Uh, maybe he was just kind of thinking about moving on. Uh, I don't think that there was any kind of like tiff or anything with the coaches or with the team. Um, everybody really seems to love him and be high on him. So, um, I don't really want to speculate on it because I don't know. Um, all I know is that everything's right in the world now. Um, and you know, he's ready to go for this season. Yeah. But it's gotta be tough because his dad's the uh, regional training center coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're around your dad all the time. I'd, I'd hate to be around my dad all the time. <laughs> yeah. And again, like we could be completely wrong, but that's what I'm kind of thinking is like, you know, you're, you're just too close to family maybe, you know? Yeah. Uh, and just maybe also being at, at in Chapel Hill for what, five, six, maybe years. Like, yeah, maybe he's just looking to move on, you know? Um, but I know that he was very briefly in the portal. So um, I think he might've put it out there just to kind of look around and, and see, and then maybe just changes the change his mind. Um, yeah. He's a guy that I definitely want to talk to. So I want to see if I can get him on the show sometime. And um, I'll ask him, maybe off camera before if he wants to talk about it or not. It'd be awesome. Um, Cause I, I really want to know. Um, but you know, I, if it's something that's too personal for him, I definitely don't want him to have to put it out there. Mm-hmm. Right. A, a Matt geek exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, gotta, gotta listen to the geeks, man. Right. <laughs> uh, yes. There's a fun coming up with that name, man. I, I was like, I was sitting here thinking of a million names and I was like, you know, what do I, what do I identify with? Like, what am I? <laughs> and uh he's like yeah i'm kind of a geek i love wrestling like i'm a nerd like matt nerd didn't sound as good so here we are <laughs> uh, but yeah so anyway but i mean from a fantasy perspective what's you guys' take on on kennedy monday um for me high ceiling low you know low floor uh i, I take him all day just because i know the athleticism is there um, if the injuries and stuff are in, and the personal stuff are in, you know, in the, in the past, I have no problem with him being my 165 pounder, especially, um, since the weight kind of cleared out a little bit, I think he's an all American. I don't, maybe not a title contender, but I think he's an all American. So yeah. I know you have, you probably have David Carr coming up, but you know, he can go with David Carr. I mean, he's just as athletic. He's just as fast. Um, so I, I think he's somewhere, you know, in, in the top, you know, six of, of the weight. So, and, yeah. uh, you know, I think his bonus bonus will go up this year now that he's going to be what a senior. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I have no problem taking him in a, in a, not probably not the first couple of rounds, but fourth through sixth round, if he's still there. Um, absolutely. I'm, I'm taking him. If I need a, a 65 pounder. Yeah. I, I think for me, it, it's going to be, Depends on what situation you're in, right? Because if you're in the situation where you can get, you know, a Shane Griffith, a Marinelli, uh, a Mikhail Lewis, one of those guys, then absolutely snatch them. But I think if you get to that point in the draft where you're looking at, oh, I need a 57 and a 65, I'd be way more willing to to get a 57 because, like you said, there's such a steep drop off. And then knowing that there's a guy like Kennedy Monday that's going to be waiting around, that's going to be uh, kind of a snake in the grass for you. Like he's going to absolutely be a dude that you can get in later rounds, and that's going to pull out some wins because you know looking at my ACC rankings Makai I'm not ready to put him uh, I'm not ready to say he can beat Makai yet 
right? We'll see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely has the potential, but I'm not going to say that. Um, after that, Jake Wenzel, Tommy Bullard, Cam Coy, Brandon LaRue, he can beat all these dudes. So if we're looking at a conference-only slate, uh, I'm not saying he's going to beat all of them, but he absolutely can be number two clear-cut in the ACC and you know possibly even number one, depending on, on who we see step on the mat with Makai. Yep. So yeah, I'm for me. I love Kennedy Monday. He's he's a wild card, though. I he has some good wins uh, over like uh, I'm just looking at last season. Um, he avenged his loss to Quentin Perez. He beat Peyton Mako, who I was very high on last season. Mm-hmm. He some of his losses were very close to Canigliaro from Harvard and and uh, Danny Bronigal from Illinois. I think his Bronigal match was a sudden victory match. But towards the end of the season, he started getting a little wishy-washy, lost by pin to Zach Hartman, who in his own right is, is a great wrestler from Bucknell. Yeah. But goes 0-2 at the, um, at the ACC championships. After putting on that tech fall of David McFadden, mm-hmm. it, it almost seemed like out of nowhere. So I think he comes back. Last season was his, his highest bonus rate that he's had career-wise. He was at, at 32% bonus rate. I see this coming season as kind of like, this is my last hurrah. I'm going to go out. I'm going to prove to the world that I am a top five guy. Yeah. I think he's, he's on kind of like a, uh, a revenge tour almost. A hundred percent. And like I said before, I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it might've been Ramos when I talked to him. Um, but one of, one of the guys over there mentioned something about the end of the year, he was dealing with something. It, it might've been an injury or a, a sickness or something, but I know that there was something that was not right during the ACC tournament. Um, and Man, what did I just miss? I, I was going to say something else. Never mind. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate that. It's in the middle of a thought. But, yeah, um, I can absolutely see him, him being very good. Um, I, I see him as – so, typically, like, last year there were 15 rounds. I could see him being in the earlier half of, of those rounds being a draft pick. Yeah. Um, he's definitely a guy that is a great flex option. I don't know if I'm – putting him as my 165 starter. Yeah. But he can definitely grow into that just depending on how the season goes. And again, we're talking about a season that's probably going to be about seven weeks long. So he only had eight losses. He was 20 and eight last season. If we're only talking about conferences, like you said, the only guy that really scares me is Lewis against him. Maybe Bullard. I'm, I'm bullish on the Bullards, you know, they're Absolutely. tough dudes. Um, but Kennedy Monday can go with any of them. And then if we're talking about regional competition, I think he stacks up amazing against anyone close to Chapel Hill. Yeah, for sure. Um, awesome. Well, well, we'll keep moving. So we'll hit 174 now. Uh, 174 for Duke, uh, probably their, their best guy on the roster uh, is going to be Matt Feinsilver. Um, he's a guy I'm really high on coming into this year. And I think you can call me crazy, but I, I think fine silver can compete for an NCAA title. I don't say that lightly. Um, I'm not going out here penciling him in as a finalist. I'm not, but I'm saying every year at the NCAA tournament, we have a guy that makes the finals that you don't see coming. Mm-hmm. And if it's Matt fine silver, then 
I can I can see that. Um, you know, you got guys like Ronnie Perry and, and you know, uh, I'm blanking here, Bryce Meredith, right? Some dudes mm-hmm. that make the finals that you're not you don't see coming. I can see Matt Feinstein being one of those guys. Um, he was another guy that, that took a red shirt after a couple of years. He red or his first year he was 26 and 11, uh, qualified for the national tournament, and then was 25 and nine again qualifying for the national tournament. Um, and I think that he was one and two, or or he he might have he might have lost. I mean, he might have went zero and two and lost to two guys that were all Americans or something like that. He he just had a crazy tournament that year. Um, but then he took a red shirt, an Olympic red shirt last year, and went up to the OTC and spent the summer training with guys like Jaden Cox. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if there's any forecast there, um, I, I can see no way in the world that a guy that's 25 and nine in college uh, goes and trains with Jaden Cox for a year and gets worse. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm excited about him. And I, I think 74 has got a lot of really good dudes in it, but, um, with guys like Miles Amin clearing out, Mark Hall clearing out, um, I can definitely see Fine Silver sneaking up into the All-American category and maybe even a higher AA if he performs well. Um, but I, I'm I'm bullish on him. Uh, yeah. I think he, I think he's going to be good. I, uh, I agree with that. I'm, his 2019 season, uh, he went one and two. He beat Marcus Coleman from Iowa State, and then he lost to Cutler and Dylan Liddy. So. Yeah two studs that he lost to and he lost five to four to Liddy because that's what Liddy does. He yep. wins, you know, the decisions by one or two points. Yeah. And he lost a color six to two. Yeah. And both of those guys are all Americans. So, yeah. um, you know, unfortunately Liddy didn't have the chance to prove it, but right. He did get that first team all American honor. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited about him. Man. I am for sure. Um, and another thing that I wanted to say about him before we move on is that um, I, w- I was looking, you know, back in the deep depths of the stats world being wrestle stat. Um, and he has beaten every single guy in the ACC except for Clay Lott. Um, and he hasn't wrestled Clay Lott. So mm-hmm. um, he has beaten every single guy that's going to be in his ACC uh, or in his conference schedule this year, except for Lott. Um, he's only and, a junior too. Yeah. He's got two more years. And that leads us right into Clay Lott, right? Returning ACC champ. Um, he was a guy that was a four seed at the ACC tournament and came out and won the darn thing. So yeah. um, he's, he's a really good dude too. I had him on the show with Coach Scott um, and uh, Coach Scott was having some phone difficulties going in and out and uh, Clay kept jumping in and answering everything. So uh, <laughs> good dude. And, and he, he was a guy that actually wrestled off at 84 last year. Uh, and then Devin Kane went down with the ACL and uh, he went down to 74 and um, won an ACC title. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a pleasant surprise. I mean, I don't want to say surprise. He, I, I don't know his background. He's probably a, a pretty good recruit. Um, but I yeah, definitely didn't expect the guy to kind of be thrust into a weight out of nowhere and win an ACC title. So right, um, definitely a pleasant surprise for them. And then Virginia Tech, it's looking like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a roster battle for sure. But uh, I have Cody Howard. Uh, ended up getting the spot. He was 23 and 10 uh, in a red shirt last year and uh, 45% bonus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what do you guys think about these three? To me, uh, oh, go ahead, Tom. I, I was going to say, to me, I'm going with Fine Silver out of those three. Gavin Kane is, is a, a number 31 overall recruit by Matt Scouts coming in. Um, 
I think he's at his slot at 74. I don't know if he's 74 or 84. Um, but like we said, with this season, I doubt they're going to burn that red shirt. Clay Lott, it's going to be interesting to see how he stacks up against fine silver. But if, if it's the fifth round, I need a 74 pounder. Starachi's gone. Kemmer's gone. Yeah. All those kind of headliners are gone. I'm probably going to go on the side of Matt Feinsilver. I just, I don't know, just something in, inside is giving me a little bit more comfort going with Feinsilver over Lott. But I think either one is good. Clay Lott was number 23 in fantasy points last year. Yeah. So at, at 174. So I think both are good options fantasy wise. Feinsilver, I think, has the higher ceiling when it comes to March mm-hmm. and, and the bracket. But that's just me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, and it, it depends too on what you, how your league set up, right? Because yeah. if you're in the, the regular rest of that league that ends after, I mean, we don't even know how that's going to come out, right? It might be different. Yeah. Um, but the regular rest of that leagues do end right before conference. So it's just mm-hmm. the season. Um, and if it's just a season fantasy league this year, um, the only guy that, that he's got to beat is lot, right? Cause he's beat everybody else. So mm-hmm. um it's going to be really cool to see how those two guys shake out. Uh, I want to see that match really bad. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard not to decide with the guy that trained with Jaden Cox for a year. Right. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm, <laughs> the other guy's an ACC champ, so who the heck knows. But uh, Gavin Kane, you mentioned, um, Georgia boy. Uh, I'm, I'm from Georgia. He uh, actually went to the high school that we were rivals with when I was in school. So uh, literally, like, 15 minutes down the road from where I grew up. He was a four-time state champ. Only lost two matches in high school. Uh, just stud. I mean, absolute stud. I think he's going to be really, really good for them. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, if you're not really paying close attention to the Tar Heels, uh, you don't know his name yet, and you're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I believe, I don't remember it off the top of my head exactly. We talked about him in the interview, but I'm pretty sure they said he's staying in red shirt. Um, but he should be at 74. So, um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. I, I, in my opinion, I see Gavin Kane staying in redshirt this year. Devin Kane graduates next year, and then um, Lott and Kane will go 74, 84, or whatever order. Um, but, yeah. So, that's 74. All right, y'all cool moving on? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, 184 is going to be uh, for Duke. Mason Eglin, uh, Mason Eglin, 21 and 12 last year, national qualifier, easily the best guy on the team last year. Um, and for Carolina, at first, like I got kind of, I couldn't get the straightest of answers out of them because I don't think they know either. Um, but at first I heard that it was going to be a, a lot Devin Kane wrestle off 74 because uh, I know that they're both kind of 74 pounders. Um, but when I talked to them, uh, they, they made it kind of seem like, like Kane was going to end up moving up to 84 because obviously you want both of those dudes in the lineup. Uh, Devin Kane two years ago was the 33 seed, the last seed in the NCAA tournament and ended up in the round of 12. So, mm-hmm. um, he, he's going to be very good. I'm excited to watch him, but I'm, I think he's their 84 pounder. Um, that's where kind of the, the tea leaves are pointing, I guess. And then uh, Virginia Tech is going to be Hunter Bowling, obviously. So, 
if you don't know Hunter Bowling, then I don't know what you've been watching. <laughs> he's the number two ranked guy in the country. Um, and I, I don't know who I'm going to end up picking, but he could very well be my national title. So, yeah. I had him last year in our league. And I, well, I mean, tomorrow we'll talk about the other two. Well, not other two anymore now that Monocorse has gone up to 97. But that kind of round robin that they had and throwing Louis Dupre from Binghamton too, 84, just 84 in general was crazy. Um, But I thought Bowen had the chops to win it last year. I, he's definitely my, my pick in the ACC right now. Yeah, even right. above Hidley, but it's neck and neck right there. Yeah, well, he beat Trent twice. So right. You kind of got to put him above right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in both matches, they were close, but they weren't really close. Like, Hidley wasn't really close to scoring yeah. on Boland. Like, just could not get through his defense. Um, that's, that's, you talk about just two monsters wrestling each other. I mean, both guys look like friggin' Greek statues, and they just, you know, it was, you know, it was really hand-fighting and snapping and moving, but, you know, neither guy wanted to give an inch, um, but I have to give the edge in the ACC to, to Bowling right now. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, you saw, I don't know if Todd, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Tony, you probably did. NC State made their their gifts, right? So yeah. they came out with a bunch of uh, collection of gifts, and uh, one of them is uh, Trent punching the chair. At the door, <laughs> and so I like commented. I was, or actually, I think I deleted it because I, I got caught up doing something else. But I was going to comment and say, "This, thank you so much. This punching a chair uh, gift is going to be used. Like, <laughs> no idea how much I'm going to use that. Every time I'm excited, it's going to be Trent punching this chair. That's awesome. Yeah. I know we're not talking about NC State, but they have a yeah. great like social media program. Yeah, oh, they're at, awesome at the school. Any any school that can put out material like that, I'm all for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know they do a great job over there. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll definitely going to talk a lot about them tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Bolin, obviously, dude, you want your fantasy team. One of the top guys in the country could win a national title. Um, Number five last year in fantasy points. Yeah. Uh, the other two guys, though, um, Devin Kane is a, uh, he's a very high ceiling guy, right? It's a risk. Yeah, so for me personally, he's a guy that I'm going to wait and see, but he's one of the guys that's going to definitely be on my, like, watch list, right? So not just oh, a casual fan, but, like, intensely, like, how is Kane doing? I might pick him up. Mm-hmm. Um, Eglin's same kind of deal, but not as much as Kane. Uh, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on him because he did well. Uh, unfortunately, he's in kind of a star-studded weight class in the ACC, so yeah, he's going to have a rough year if it's just a conference slate. But definitely can't compete with these guys. So, um, yeah, 184 is going to be insane this year. It's just going to be insane. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got uh, Brooks at Penn State. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I think, honestly, until proven otherwise, I think Brooks might be my pick. Um, he just looked so good last year, man. Yeah. Um, but if Bolin or Hadley beat him, I would, like that, that absolutely can happen. Uh, just the, op- the optics for me, like we're talking, Bolin looks like he's head and shoulders above everybody. You look at a guy like Taylor Venz too. Mm-hmm. 
Brooks looks smaller than them, doesn't he? Just a little bit. He does, but he's just like you know, long and lanky kind of deal. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. The last season, if you think about it, all the top ranked guys, like the top eight ranked guys, the only one that AA'd was Taylor Venz. Yeah. One year. Everyone else never AA'd before. Louis Dupre didn't. Trent obviously didn't because he was in red shirt. Bolin didn't. So it was a bunch of – nobody wanted to be ranked number one there because then they would, they would just lose during the yeah. season. Um, it's going to be interesting throwing Max Dean into it, maybe Miles Amin coming in. I still think he's going 97 until I'm proven otherwise. Who knows? It's wild to see him jump two weight class. Yeah. That's wild. And, and then I just don't know. I – Eaglin and Kane, I think I, I'm with you. I'm waiting to see what they do. I, I don't know if I'm drafting them right away. Maybe a late-round pick. I'm, I'm picking up Kane because he does have that ceiling. But I'd, it's Bowen definitely and Eaglin and, and Kane as a, maybe I'll watch. Yeah. Sorry, I threw you off. My, uh, my <laughs> camera died. <laughs> my camera died. I had to switch my, my laptop camera. So now I'm actually yeah, – No here. problem. Good, but, good quick switching there. Good. Yeah, I, it happened last time too. So um, I guess when I go longer, it, it tends to cut off on me. But um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's 184. Like you said, Bowen's a must have. Uh, the other two guys are kind of wait and see material. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 197 uh, for Duke, it's going to be Caden Russell. Caden uh, Russell, it, it, he's one of the better guys on the team as well. Uh, you know, not not the best records coming in, but uh, a guy that, that plays in both styles at U23 Nationals. Um, I mean, just he, he's a guy to watch that, that has a lot of a lot of promise uh, because I mean, placing in both styles at U23 Nationals, like that's pretty freaking good. Mm. Um, but also at North Carolina, uh, you have Brandon Whitman, who's probably going to get the start. Um, you also have some other guys in there that that are doing well. I know that uh, the coaching staff is, is high on, on all of them, right? But I've heard a lot about Max Shaw doing well. Um, Cade Lott, which is Clay's brother, was a bigger recruit out of Kansas, um, probably will end up redshirting and also has the possibility of being a heavy, heavyweight, I think. Um, okay. But he I, – I, I see him redshirting this year. I don't have him listed as it because I think they, they weren't committed to it yet. Um, but I, I think he's going to redshirt, and I think it's going to be Whitman. Uh, Whitman's just another one of those kind of savvy veterans to throw in that always manages to get get some good wins, um, and you know is always going to be in every match. He was a four-time Michigan State champ, so uh, not too shabby. But 197 for Virginia Tech is going to be uh, Stanley Smelter, um, uh, a guy, another kind of savvy veteran that has some experience, but uh, you know hasn't been able to to break through and have the the top tier wins yet. So. What do you guys think about these guys? Um, as far as these three teams, I'm probably going to pass at that at 197. Yeah. Um, I don't really – I mean, maybe a wait and see. But uh, there's there's a lot of other guys out there at 197. Yeah. So maybe I'm going to not look at any of these three teams at this just particular weight. I think it's a weakness for all three teams in their lineup, you know, at this weight. I don't see any potential super big fantasy points out of any of the three guys, really. Maybe Whitman, I take a flyer on in a late round if I need a backup 97. But uh, what do you think, Tony? 
I'm kind of the same way. I'm I'm passing on these three teams. I'm looking at maybe an individual matchup, maybe plug and play kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because the other three teams I think have the stronger 97 pounders in, in the ACC, especially with Bonacorsi moving up, uh, which I think you you broke on your your uh, podcast and everything. Yeah. Um, so that That's was awesome actually, to know. <laughs> yeah. No, it was uh, it was cool because um, Keith uh, Coach Gavin actually sent me an email uh, earlier in the week, and if people don't know, when I do these lineups, basically I, what I was doing was taking the lineups off of WrestleStat and off of their team website and I would kind of put it in there and put like my projected starters and I would send it to the coach the head coach and be like hey just right um, mm -hmm. and also like I'd tell them like I want to put out whatever you guys want so if you guys got some trade secrets or whatever just tell me what you want out right right um, and, and so uh, that's one that really that was the first one that surprised me when I got the email <laughs> back and I saw Bonacorsi at 97 I was like oh oh that's cool that gift um, of just, oh, oh yeah and i was like i you know i i'm really trying my best i my whole thing at mac geeks is just to put out what they want out right i feel like the acc isn't covered as well and so that's why i wanted to do it um and i'm not the the journalist that's like trying to steal the show or whatever that's not me mm -hmm. um so i just want them to put out what, what they put out so yeah i could have easily like taken that and posted a big post about it or whatever but <laughs> i was like you know let's just we're gonna wait and we're gonna put out the lineup preview and then people will see yeah, uh, and so, I had a, a similar story. I um, I'm kind of friends with Coach Cole at, at Cornell. Yeah, and um, we were out drinking. I, I went. I used to go to his wrestling camp every year with my team, and we were out drinking. And he happened to drop on me that um, you know, Real Mudo was Real Budo was going up two weight classes. Yeah, so I was like, oh shit! Like I, I know this information and nobody else does. And you know, they kind of next day he's like, yeah, hey, man, don't don't let that out really. So <laughs> I kind of held it in. And then I, I kind of like threw it out there one night on, on the Cornell website that he was going 174 and everybody's like, Oh, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. You're, you just think, you know, stuff. And then, okay. boom, it. Yeah. It made me feel, you know, you know, proud that I had that information, but I was trying so hard all summer not to share it with anybody. <laughs> well, that was another thing too. I thought about it. And I mean, I wasn't going to do it either way, but you know, uh, I knew that anybody, you know, like, like you guys like to say, the seven people that were following me, um, you know, anybody that was actually following me kind of knew that, that I was getting it straight from the coaches. So, you know, if I just make some random posts, like they might not believe it. Whereas mm -hmm. if I put it out like this, they're going to actually believe it. And right. it's funny is I, I did tease it a little bit. I put it out on social media. I was like, there's a big name that's moving white classes. Um, and you're gonna have to, you know, wait to see. But, uh, I actually had one of the other ACC coaches text me and go, Hey, you want to tell me what that's about? <laughs> and I was like, nope, you can wait on the lineup preview, man. Yeah. <laughs> Same as everybody else. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, no, that's funny. Well, I just, you know, I, I want to make sure that they can trust me. And, right. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not in it for, for personal reasons, you know, just to have coverage, especially, you know, there's all kinds of parents and everything that, like parents of wrestlers and agency that have reached out and been very thankful for it. And that's, that's all I'm doing it for. So. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I mean, we've, we've said, I think, and Todd, I don't know if I'm putting words in your mouth that the ACC might be the second best conference, like top six. I agree. So obviously, yes, big 12 is bigger. EIWA is bigger, everything like that. But if you do top six of each conference, yeah, there's big 10, nobody's going to, you know, squish the giant. No, I think ACC, 
Duke is going to be competitive with a lot of those teams in the Big 12, EIWA, you know, MAC. Yeah. I, I think ACC is the second best one. And you're doing a great job of getting really good content out there about the ACC. So hopefully they see that and like Clemson or Georgia Tech or, you know, one of the Florida schools kind of joins the fray. And, yeah. Well, oh. uh, you know, in a couple of years after my wife's out of dental school, I'll be moving back to Georgia. So uh, if this ever gets around to Georgia or Georgia Tech, I'll start a there program you go. for you, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm a little guy. They won't ever, they won't ever hear it. But, uh, <laughs> but I'll talk about it when they, when they do it. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, man, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. Uh, but, dude, so we're at, the, we're at the last weight class, right? <laughs> 285. We got to hit this last weight class. Um, and, and for Duke, it, it's a fun one, actually. Um, I, I got to say, guys, when I was doing these, Duke was the most fun one to do. Um, and that's not like a slight to any other team. It was just, I didn't really know much about Duke. Um, and so when I got into researching Duke, they've done a really good job recruiting and they have a bunch of really good guys. They have a bunch of sleepers on this team. So it was really fun to, to kind of research. Um, mm -hmm. and it, I mean, no short of it at heavyweight, uh, Ben Fry is the guy that's projected to be the heavyweight actually plays for the football team and is a defensive end for Duke right now. Um, so he's supposed to come back from football with, you know, it's supposed to be a pretty good transition. I don't think he's going to miss any time or anything. Not gonna be cutting weight or anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no. Uh, but he's a big old strong dude. He only actually wrestled two matches last year. Uh, he lost one, but I forget it was to somebody that was that was decent. Uh, and then his other one was like a first period ten or something. Uh, but yeah, he's a you know big old muscled up dude. Oh, Andrew Gunning, he lost. Yeah. Uh, but the other guy that I would watch out for for Duke because I think he's definitely in the running is Max Bosnoff. Uh, Max Bosnow was a four or a three-time state placer from Ohio, uh, who was second as a junior, and there was another guy just like Aglin or Agan that was uh, the front runner to win a state title before Corona shut it down. Um, so I think he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder, and uh, I, I can I've heard a lot of good things about him in the room as well as uh, Brandon uh, Brayton Ray. Uh, so I I think it's going to end up being Fry, but don't be surprised to see Bosnow. For the Tar Heels, you said his name a minute ago, Andrew Gunning. has been the man. Uh, he's just kind of been a, a constant guy in there that um, just, he's just, he's another grinder, right? Tar Heels have a lot of those guys, um, just grinders that are in every match that um, even if it's a guy that's, that's better than them, they're, they're going to be right there and they're going to be in close matches. So um, he's definitely a guy that is going to be good. And, and in a weight in the ACC where um, Deontay Wilson of NC State is the top guy for me. Um, you know, it's not like he's Kyle Snyder or anything, right? So this is mm -hmm. definitely kind of an up for grabs weight for, in terms of who wins the ACC. So there's no reason Gunning can't be that guy. Um, and Virginia Tech, we are uh, assuming it's going to be John Borst. He was a starter before, uh, but they have a couple of really good, or yeah, they have a really good recruit behind him, Hunter Katka. Uh, Hunter Katka is, I'm told is, going to probably be redshirting but they left open the possibility of if he wins the job mm -hmm. he could go um he's again another one of those situations with virginia tech if they feel like they're they're close to a trophy you can see hunter Kek on the mat yeah um, and it, obviously you'd have to win the job from borst but uh he's definitely a guy that could do it um he's a 2019 cadet world team member um and super 32 champ pennsylvania state champ um checks all the boxes 
for you when you want a good recruit. So yeah, yeah. Um, uh, story on him. He actually wrestles in our league. Yeah, he's um, he's about a couple miles down that way. No, really. <laughs> so, um, so I we coach at Unionville. Yeah. Um, Sun Valley, the school that he went to, is in our league. So we saw him a bunch of times this year. Um, he's actually not. I mean, he's big. Um, but he, when we weighed in, you know, for the white, for the dual meet, he weighed about 223. So he's a guy that I could see him even putting 25, 30 more pounds on and just being an absolute, you know, freight train. Um, there's no denying the ability. He is so friggin' smooth for a heavyweight and, um, just always in good position, great hand fighting. Um, he loves the sport. He lives the sport. Um, like I said, I think he puts on – he's really tall. He's like about 6'4". Uh, I think yeah. he puts on 20, 25 pounds and is like a, you know, Anthony Kassar type where he'll be a 245-pound heavyweight and just way more athletic than – well, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of good heavyweights right now, but he's going to be younger than a lot of those guys. And, and yeah. uh, he's going to just be – he's really athletic as a heavyweight. Well, he's that like – like you said, Kassar, Snyder, uh, uh, even Kirkley kind of body type, right? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot more athletic and um, doesn't look like a heavyweight to the eye, you know. Um, yeah, there's no fat on his body. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, with these guys, I mean, we're going to assume that it's divorced uh, because until they do and pull the red shirt, um, or I say pull the red shirt, but I don't even know if it's like on yet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but until we know that, that Kaka is not wrestling, I think it's going to, or that Kaka is wrestling, it's going to be divorced. Um, yeah. Divorced, gunning, and Fry, what are you guys' take on those guys? I like Borst. Um, last year, 21 and 9 with roughly uh, almost 30% bonus rate. I think it was at like 27% bonus rate. Number 22 in fancy points at, at 285. He was solid. Um, he was a guy who you could start and not be too worried about what the result was going to be because Virginia Tech had a, a strong schedule, but I think a, a schedule – that was favorable to the heavyweights. Um, I have to go back and, and check um, that, but I mean, a 21 and nine record is nothing to, to wave your hat at. Yeah. Gunning on the other hand, 11 and 14 last season, I think he had a competitive match with Wilson in their duel. I, I can't remember if it was the duel or if it was during the ACC championships, but it was like an overtime match. I think it was the duel. Yeah, I think so. It came down sure. to like a, a last minute, last second takedown or something like that in overtime, something like that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to pick your brain on, on Brandon Ray mm -hmm. for Duke, because according to Russell stat, this is going to be his third school that he's been to in three years. He was at Cal California Baptist. Then he was at CSU Bakersfield. Now he's at, at Duke. He was 12 and four last season before transferring. Do you, I, I know you said that you're, you're pretty, high on on uh ray um as a starter or i'm sorry not ray um no i'm Fosna. not yes do you think ray has a chance of starting yeah um his name was definitely thrown out there okay. uh, i the way it seemed like to me um actually i, I think coach kind of talked about maybe it being between fry and ray and Fosna was maybe more of the red shirt. Mm -hmm. um, I think personally, it kind of sounds like maybe Fosna is the future and then Ray and uh, Fry are fighting for it right now. Right. Um, 
I I know that Fosna and Ray have been in the room training together lately because uh, I've seen pictures and, and I know that that's going well and, and that they're both doing well. And that they the coach had nothing but good things to say about their progress. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, absolutely, don't throw him out. He could definitely be the starter for sure. Uh, okay. There's just there's three dudes right there that could end up being the starter. So it's and it, and it honestly sounds like it's like 33 percent each. Like it doesn't <laughs> sound like anybody's really got the. And if this were, you know, if this were a normal season, you'd be seeing those three guys going to the tournaments and you know seeing how they do, how they compete. Because I know yeah. every school is different when it comes to is it solely wrestle offs? Is it solely competition? Is it a combination of the both? Things yeah. like that. Um, which can be good, can be bad in, in fantasy because if you don't know who your starter is, then you don't know who your starter is to start yeah. yourself. Whereas if it's a tournament, you know, cool, I could pick either one of these guys and go in. Kind of like what 133 is for North Carolina. Um, but out of these, I like Forrest. I, I think the two, with Kakid probably taking a redshirt, I agree for him to put on some muscle to be a force for years to come. Borst and, and we'll talk about him tomorrow, Quinn Miller, I think are two very good fantasy options for you. Yeah. I don't think they're high draft pick. I think they're middle of the pack, maybe late round. But Borst out of these three is definitely a guy I'm, I'm picking up. I'm keeping on my bench for a good matchup. 100%. Yeah, if you miss the, the Gables, Kirk Fleets, Cassiopeis, mm -hmm. um, they're going to be – I mean, even – you might even want one of these guys over them, honestly, because if it's a conference slate, Gable, Cassiope, Harris, all these dudes are going to hit each other every week. So, yep. uh, I mean, even if, you know, Gable goes undefeated, it's probably not going to be any bonus points. Yeah. You know? So um, you might – heavyweights, it's a weird one where all the top dudes are in the Big Ten. You might yeah. honestly be better off going away from the Big Ten to get you more points. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Todd, did you have anything for heavyweight, or you kind of agree? Um, I want to. I'm probably the same with 197. I'm going to probably pass on all three guys for for heavyweight because there's just um there's so much talent at heavyweight right now. Um, you know, you have Gable Stevenson, and you have um Mason Paris, and you have Cassiope, and you have Stencil, and you have Hilger, and then you know yeah. even going down below them, you have. You know, Orndorff's now at Ohio State. Um, Zach Elam is coming back off a red shirt from Missouri. Um, so, like, there's just so many guys out there that I think even at, like, 8, 9, or 10, or 11, I could get a guy that's a little bit better than the guys that are at this weight for the, these three teams. So, I'll probably, you know, I might take a flyer on Borscht late if I really needed mm -hmm. uh, heavyweight, like maybe even just for, like, a weekend or something, like a, a matchup. But I'm going to probably not, you know, pick any of these guys at – at this moment, but who knows? I mean, maybe they'll surprise me and, and I could pick them up a flyer on them later in the season. Yeah. Yeah, and for sure. Th I mean, this is really all speculation too, because who knows who's going to be redshirting, taking another Olympic redshirt. I think when we talked with, um, with Earl uh, on our podcast uh, about Virginia programs before I brought up Quinn Miller if everybody who has a red shirt available or Olympic takes it, he goes from being like a, maybe around the 12 guy, around the 16 guy to potential mid AA. Yeah. So it, 
for all of these guys, it's really going to see depend on what other coaches do. And like you said, if Roby sees an opening that everyone else is kind of standing off to the sides and he has that avenue to go and get a team trophy. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. I think, and that's kind of the takeaway, honestly, from, from these, honestly, from Duke and Virginia tech, um, Duke and Virginia tech both had that attitude of like, mm-hmm. if it's there, all chips on the table, we're going for it. Yeah. Um, Carolina, obviously they, they, I mean, their, their roster is kind of different where their, their top guys are already pretty much their starters. Right. And already don't have red shirts left. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's definitely gonna be all chips in the middle for these guys, but yeah, I mean, that wraps up all the weights for, for these three teams. Um, I had a great time talking to you guys about it. Yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah. awesome. We should do this again tomorrow. Yeah, maybe we will. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll come up with three more teams for the conference. And we'll yeah. Huh, huh. Uh, but, yeah, speaking of, uh, we are going to do the last three teams tomorrow. So that's going to be NC State, uh, Virginia, yep. and Pitt. Right? Yep. So um, all three of those teams will be tomorrow coming out. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, but – and we'll say it again next episode, but – uh, thank you guys for coming out and tell the people, you know, where can they find your podcast, you on social media? Um, you know, what is, it, it's actually called fantasy college wrestling. So it's easy to find. Yes. <laughs> so uh, you can find our podcast on, we go through anchor. So it's on all the, the traditional podcast sites, Spotify and Apple, I think are the two big ones, but I think it's Stitcher too. And, and all that search fantasy college wrestling. You'll see that weird Microsoft art uh, FW that we have. Um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at fantasy D the number one Russell, uh, no E. So R E R I can't even spell. I'm not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> we don't like E's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's all the, uh, seltzer water that I've been drinking. Yeah. And, um, you can find our articles right now on, uh, Matt scouts too, through Rockfin. So yeah. podcast is free. The articles are premium, but um, we got more stuff coming out. Um, we've been doing our uh, uh, Reckless Speculation uh, podcast recently, which you were kind enough to come on and, and drop some knowledge on us. Unfortunately, because I'm an idiot, I messed it up and, and missed half of it. So luckily, we have this to kind of bridge that gap. I was going to say, <laughs> I only remember half of it. So, right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I can be found uh, Nittany Kid on Twitter. That's, yeah. So it's real easy, just Nittany Kid. Um, so that's, um, I'm not there much, but I've been on, I've been a little bit more frequent lately. So now that bike week is over and everything else is over, I'll probably be more active. So you can yeah. find me there. Well, awesome. <laughs> little tangent, if you will, Todd, you, uh, gotcha. actually thought you didn't have your own Twitter handle. I thought somebody had taken Nittany kid. So Anthony was nice enough to show me how you can find who has the name. So he did the search and it turned out I had it <laughs> and then I had started the Nittany kid Twitter like five or six years ago and had just forgotten about it. And I was like, some jerk off out there took my name. I can't use Nittany kid. And it was, that jerk off was me. <laughs> well, Hey, you, you got it now. Um, I believe I was your fifth follower today. So uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you don't tweet for like five years or something. I might just start doing the Pat Downey and just get everybody pissed off at me just so I have thousands of, of followers. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. 
Um, yeah, no, I went and looked for it today um, and found it. And yeah, I, I, I saw it. And I was like, dude, it only has like four followers. Like, what the heck? And <laughs> I'll, like, I'm going to work on that. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm honestly not a person that cares really much about the metrics, but like, yeah, I was like, I know this dude's been around for a long time. What the heck's going on? And so <laughs> I looked down at your tweets and it was like, 2017 or something like that I was yeah. like, okay there we go that um, makes sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm older so i'm facebook i know like probably nobody even knows what that is anymore but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but odd sees all he doesn't comment on all <laughs> yeah. but if you're listening to this on podcast um the video format is on rockfin so on the mac geeks rockfin uh, it is going to be for free on on rockfin um so you can watch it and if you are watching it then thank you uh, you're going to have all of that uh, actually on the screen. So you will have our name tags with our, our Twitter handles and all that nice. kind of stuff uh, right there, ready to go for everybody. Yeah, I spent the, the, the day working on it. Um, I also <laughs> spent the day trying to figure out how to go live and I uh, was not comfortable enough to do it. So that's fine. Maybe in the future. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, anyways, I'll, I'll stop talking in circles. Thank you guys for coming on. I'll no see problem. you again tomorrow. See Thanks you tomorrow. for having us. We'll see you tomorrow.